0: And welcome to the Survivor Historians, the only Survivor podcast that drops more deuces than Bobby Mason. As always, I'm Mario Lanza. I'm Jay Fisher. Look for the amulet!
1: And I'm Mike Bloom, and I always drink water that's only filtered through three (laughs) t-shirts.
0: And we are here to talk about uh, a season that I really
2: love, uh, Exile Island. And I'm Paul, and I liked Amber even before she was made big in Season 8. What the fuck? Who's that? It's Paul, you guys. Can you believe it?
0: Oh, Paul. Um, Jay, this is going to be awkward.
2: Well, yeah, Paul, uh, before, um. before you guys say any more, I just want to say, like... I'm glad you guys have waited all this time. You've really let me, like, digest the first seven seasons, and I think I'm finally in a place where we can talk about all-stars. You know, I know it's not the easiest season to talk about. There's a lot of mixed reactions to the season, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm finally ready to talk about the love story of, of Amber and Rob, so let's do this. You guys want to tell them, or should
1: I? Paul, uh, where are you? What,
2: what year is it, Paul. <laughs>
0: Paul, honey, we have something to tell you. Yes? We're not talking about All-Stars today. Okay. We've actually gone a couple seasons ahead, and we actually replaced you.
2: Well, lovely, 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 lovely.
0: <laughs> All right. For anybody who thinks we're, we're serious, we're not. We are very excited to have uh, the original Survivor historian here, Paul Osselson. Osselson as in awesome. Not awesome, as an yeah. Asselson. Yes, yeah, see, I remember. I remember your name. And Paul is uh, back here to join us. He's cleared out his schedule. He's back from Germany. He is uh, no longer renouncing America. And right he's it. back with us. And this will be our first ever podcast with Paul and Mike. So let's give them both a hand. Welcome back, guys. Thank you. you know, I'm going
2: gonna, I'm gonna to try to play nice because, honestly, it's kind of hard to be here with the guy that you made, like... Paul, if Paul doesn't leave historians, like, where's Mike Bloom now? Like, I don't think he's very far into the podcasting business. So, uh, (laughs) hey, Mike.
1: Hey, you know what? I may be a young gun, but I'm still a good shot. So hit me with your best shot, Pat Benatar.
3: (laughs)
0: This is going to be so awkward. Yeah, this is going to be so awkward, Jay. This is like when your ex-girlfriend and your current girlfriend are in the same room.
3: I know, especially when your old girlfriend is like, you know, really smart and stuff, but your new, your, your new girlfriend is like a podcasting
1: superstar? It's <laughs> the situation that we all face, yes.
0: <laughs> I think we all know that situation. All right, let's just... We'll cut the banter, we'll go right into it. Yes, we are here to talk about Season 12, Survivor Exile Island, or as some people call it, Survivor Panama Exile Island. That's not a title I tend to use. I tend to drop the Panama, but a lot of people call it that. And this is a season that... I was not a fan of when it aired, but the more I've seen it since then, I absolutely love it. And I'm very excited that we get to talk about it today.
3: I, I move, uh, for the four of us as well, whenever we refer to the season, we have to refer to it as Survivor 12, Survivor Panama, Exile Island.
1: So, we, I mean, we skipped the, the, the subtitles for Vanuatu Islands of Fire, but I guess we can bring it back just because Exile Island literally is this entire season. I mean, it's such a big part. It's not like on Vanuatu, they were constantly referring to the Islands of Fire.
2: Right. Right. It was pretty gutsy for the show. I think that's why they had to keep Panama on there because, I mean, they weren't that comfortable with putting on a non-location out of the season, so they kind of throw Panama, you know, on there because it just didn't feel right. Like, now we don't care what, you know, where the show goes (laughs) with with its crazy names. But, you know, back then it was a big deal.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people... Would kind of mark this as the demarcation of uh, kind of when the original era of Survivor ended and maybe the middle era of Survivor began. Season twelve is the kind of the one where a lot of the big changes come in, and I definitely noticed that when I was watching it. Definitely felt more like a current season than it did of one of the original seasons, especially on this latest rewatch to me.
2: Right, and what I'll say about this season too is similar to what Mara was saying. Like when I was watching the season the first time when it aired, I had like so much like disappointment with the season and I was very hesitant with the season because of all the different changes it did and I feel like it really is a transition into a lot of the the modern seasons of Survivor that we have now um that said going back to it I think there's so much great stuff now and that's why I really wanted to come back for this podcast because it really is you know one of the funniest seasons and has some really really great characters in it but you know when it when it came out there was a lot of things that as a hardcore Survivor purist was very hard to watch, it was very hard to watch a show that all of a sudden now we're reusing a location that was not an All Star season. So that was like the first strike against it. We have all these format changes, um, and you know we'll talk about it as we go on here. But it really was a lot of new for the show that was very hard for a hardcore Survivor fan to take all at once.
1: Speaking to the new location, how much of a boneheaded move was it on CBS's part to once again put it in Panama? in the spring slot because let's remember when they brought them out there for survivor all-stars just like on this season it was torrential downpours all the time and everyone was miserable whereas you know on this season it had the crazier people that led to more conflicts instead of people just being demure and betraying friendships in survival all-stars it just seems weird to me that they said like okay a winning formula is let's bring the storm clouds let's go into this region where we know bad weather is going to occur and make it hell on production once again
3: it's an interesting choice you're right mike because you know we as much as as much as we like to sort of make fun of modern seasons in the sense of oh look it's their sixth season in samoa and 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 sort of these locations that they're using over and over again this is not something indicative to modern survivor it 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 exists in old survivor just like we had this is our third time on panama right we had pearl islands all-stars and then uh and then here right that's the four right or the three yes no yeah so like we're using these locations over and over again first of all they finally stuck it in the title which was fun I guess with the survivor Panama exile island but you're right Mike like I don't understand you look at the scenery of Samoa and the the weather that they've had in those seasons you understand why they go back there not only is it a favorable place but the, the weather you know there is some rain but not a ton of rain but like man Panama is the worst sometimes as far as weather goes and it's like yeah, let's just stick him out there and make him be really miserable.
2: And I think it's important to remember here, this is when Jeff Probst, like first big like the big question was out there, is he going to leave the show? Because his, his contract went through season 12, and there really was a lot of talk. Probably the closest he's ever been to leaving the show was going to be after this, this season 12. So it was almost like they put him in Guatemala, he hated Guatemala, and he hated the conditions there and the way the contestants were. So it was almost like, this was just like self-sabotage to go to you know, Panama again. Luckily for him, he said he had so much fun on this season because the cast was so fun that that kind of you know, saved a little bit, but it was almost like it was you know, set up to fail.
1: I love that Jeff is going from Guatemala, where apparently Judd yelled at him constantly, to Panama, where now you have Shane and Courtney and other people yelling at him constantly too. <laughs> I feel like this is, some, this is something that Jeff cannot escape now. Well,
0: the good thing is they're not always yelling at him. They're probably yelling at each other.
1: So, yeah, maybe he, he got a little bit of the heat off of it. As Shane brings up in one episode, that he's just yelling in general, and Jeff just happens to be caught in the general direction <laughs> of his yelling.
0: Yes. Speaking of Shane, does anybody have any good impressions you've been working on for this podcast? I know a, just by watching it, there were a lot of characters that would be good for impressions in this season.
2: You know, i, we'll I was preparing for, for All Stars. So, I mean, I had a really good, like, Boston <laughs> Raw. It's just shit now.
0: Yeah, sorry. I know that Tina Weston impression is going to have to wait for a while.
2: Doritos.
0: <laughs> okay, one other thing before we get into Exile Island here is that you'll hear this from a lot of people that they didn't really like it at the time. Did any of you really love it at the time when it aired? I'm just curious.
1: I... I was weird about specifically the pre-merge, but I think once we get into parts 2 and 3 and we dive into this post-merge stuff, that's when it got really exciting for me. I know personally this was also when I was really getting engaged with the online community, specifically Survivor Sucks and actually posting on there and really starting to look at posts. And that's this is around the time that Sucks became is like really the like golden standard one of the funniest survivor sites on the web i know it was, it was very prevalent in the early days uh so that it holds a lot of places in my heart but i think the post-merge you know i still think that bruce's medevac episode might be compared uh, in addition to like the heroes versus villains premiere one of the funniest survivor episodes ever <laughs> so you have that paired with cerise just awesome couple of strategic episodes and this whole terry winning storyline and i i really enjoyed the latter half of the game specifically when i watched this the first time
3: I have a very weird recollection of Survivor Panama Exile and a personal flashback into my life that nobody cares about, but who cares? I'm going to talk about it anyway. Um, This this season aired in uh, the first part of 2006, and 2006 in July, which is a couple months later, that's the... That's my wedding day. I got married that year. So these months leading up to my wedding, I, I am watching Survivor, but I'm going to be very honest with you. I was not glued and writing about it on message boards or doing a lot of things around it. I was reading uh, you know, a bit of online stuff, but it, this, this season didn't really engage with me, and, and I was wondering maybe it was because there was a lot of stuff going on in my life. But as I look back on it, it, it was one of those seasons where it initially captured some interest and then it sort of wanes and then sort of in the middle of the season, I remember being very engaged with it. And I remember not being engaged with the ending, even though we have a really fun ending and, and uh, interactions between R.S. and Terry and stuff like that. But I just remember not being very engaged with this season. And it's really sad because you watch it on, on a rewatch and this season is super hilarious and it's got a lot of great moments. And it makes me kind of sad that I didn't appreciate it at the time.
0: How about you, Paul?
2: um you know as i mentioned before i felt like the I, I was disappointed with the season as it went on um and even through the end and it really took a long time for me to really appreciate it but i will say that as we get ready to dive into the first episode here i love the premiere i remember i was hesitant going in and then i really fell in love with the premiere so much so that i I remember staying home sick the next day from school uh to rewatch the episode for like a third time and then um, at that time, Rob Sesternino was doing his stuff on the fishbowl and he was doing a, a, a weekly radio show where he had some past contestants on. And I remember like staying home so I could hear that live and stuff, you know, people and, and whatnot. So I remember being like, really, really hooked by that first episode. And then that kind of went downhill from there.
1: Paul, I just got a call from the Montana school systems. Uh, you have to serve detention tomorrow for missing that day of school <laughs> to listen to Rob Nino talk about that. Island. they're
2: probably going to take away my teaching license here in Illinois, too. Shh. Edit that out. Cut it out.
1: <laughs> they were probably like, you stayed home to listen to
3: Survivor? Yeah. Was it Bobby Mason? No, it was Melinda. Oh, <laughs> detention uh, for you. <laughs> detention
1: for bad decision-making skills. Unless
0: it's Amanda. Amanda Kimmel, you get, a, get out of jail free card. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, I was going to say my recollection of Exile Island. It's a very kind of sad moment in my own personal history because this was the last season, or the first season that I didn't tape every episode when it was on TV. I was very dedicated with Survivor to tape every single episode, and I had all my tapes that they look professionally labeled and everything. And I have them all the way up through Guatemala, and I still have them, these old VHS tapes for kids who were very young. VHS was a video cassette recorder format back in the 90s and 2000s. But yeah. So I had my VHS tapes of every season up until Exile Island, and I just kind of gave up. I think episode four of Exile Island is the last episode I ever taped on VHS, just because I wasn't really into the season. And I will say it's one of those things that you kind of had to be there to get. But but Exile Island, this is something that a lot of people don't know. Why it wasn't received by a lot of people very well at when it first came out is because there was a huge gap in the middle of the season. Do you guys remember that?
2: Yeah, Yeah, March Madness. wasn't there? It was like two weeks off and a recap episode.
0: I think it was three weeks
2: off. It was plus like a recap yeah, was like,
3: I think they they took it off for like all of March Madness, didn't they?
0: Yeah, it was something. It was the first time they'd ever done that in Survivor history, where there basically was a month in between episodes. And I mean, I remember being just absolutely furious at the time that they would do that because again, these shows r- rely on momentum. They one episode goes into the next. That's why these reality competition shows are so engrossing because there's never repeats. There's never weeks off. And for Survivor to never have a week off ever, to all of a sudden take a month off—that was really what kind of soured me on this whole season. It's one of those things you have no idea if you're just doing a rewatch because there's no four-month g- four-week gap in the middle on the DVD. But oh. that was a, that was a real thing at the time.
3: Oh, and I'm looking at where they took the the, the month off. It, they they had one on March 9th and then they came back on March 30th, so almost a full month. Yeah, and that one. T-
2: but when they when they came back, it wasn't a full regular episode it was the um the recap yeah or it was like the, you know the the clip show
3: yeah it right, was- but, but the last the last episode we get and then the next episode we get is literally going into the merge yeah, oh. it's a horrible place to break.
2: Right after, yeah, after the well, they had to there. end
1: on the most emotional tribal council ever to make everyone <laughs> process <right>. their feelings <laughs> for the next three weeks. They, yeah, they
2: thought they thought they would they would hold people over that long, but no. And I and I I know even ratings wise, I mean, I remember that being a season where the ratings were really talked about, and it was getting killed by American Idol. It was getting beat up against the Olympics. Um, I remember it was a rough time for the show ratings-wise as well, and with Jeff, you know, possibly leaving at the end of the season, it was. I remember there was a lot of discussion about is this Survivor's last leg? Yeah, and it it was one of those things
0: they do this a lot now, or maybe not a lot, but it's not that uncommon. But what they would do is they would say coming later this season on Survivor Panama Exile Island season twelve, and they would show like like Bruce's medevac. They would just show clips of things that were going to happen later in the season. They would kind of spoil some of and the episodes. It pissed, yeah, it was terrible. It
2: pissed me off to no end because they had in this like little preview for the season, similar to what happens in um, San Juan del Sur that people are upset about, but it was even worse because one of the clips they show in this is Terry and Aris like, battling it out like rams, and Jeff says yeah. his famous quote there, and that's something that even if you watch it once, like that is stuck in your mind. And then for the rest of the season... Every time they go to tribal council, it's, is it going to be Aris? Or, you know, it's Aris is always the one getting the votes. And so if Terry plays the idol, it's going to be Aris going home. And so mm-hmm. the whole time, you know, I haven't seen them battle like rams yet. So it, like, really was was a poor decision making there. Whoever did the scheduling and the previewing and all that, I hope they got fired because that was a fail. Yeah.
1: Well, they got fired and then they called them up 17 seasons later and said, ah, you know, come on back. One last chance. Try, 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 <laughs> try it again stance. and see what yeah. happens.
0: So anyway, just to summarize all this, it was not a very satisfying viewing experience at the time. And that's something I always remember. I always associate with the season. And that's why when you go back and you rewatch the seasons, you kind of take away some of that stigma that made it kind of annoying at the time. And it, this is a fantastic season on DVD. So it's one of those I have done a complete 180 on over the years. And But there's a reason that people didn't like it at the time, I think.
3: I'll tell you why I think that this season is not only great on a rewatch, but important for people to watch on a rewatch. And that is because... We've talked on this show many, many times about certain character archetypes that exist on Survivor. And I, I've even said in the past, oh well most of the archetypes by this point have sort of been iterated. It's not necessarily the case. Some archetypes are being retired as Survivor is moving forward, and as the as we get into more modern seasons, there are new archetypes of players coming out, and Panama is Exile Island is a really good season to watch the very prototypes of archetypes of characters that we are going to get a ton of in future seasons. I think it's what you were sort of talking about, Mario, was it sort of felt like a more modern season. Mm -hmm. It's because it's an old school season in a lot of its execution, but yet at the same time, there are these character archetypes. And so what I'm going to be talking about in these podcasts a lot is just these, these characters, these people. Not only are they crazy and very funny to watch, but they are going to set up a lot of familiar faces down the road.
0: Exactly. I mean, who can forget Ruth Marie? Exactly. I was
2: it was like in a similar way to Survivor Amazon, you know, having the first gene. It's like now every season has a gene, you know, <laughs> but Exile Island just did more with that.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Can we just cut out any reference of Paul mentioning Gene because I'm just fucking sick of him.
2: No,
1: I think you I think should, should bleep out Gene and make it like, uh, a, like a, a word that can't
2: be said on this podcast now. <laughs> Russell? Well, I'd actually agree with you on that one because just saying the word make.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but I, I will say, and I was going to say this very quickly before we went because I know we need to get into these episodes and or, or pre stuff. But this is one of these episodes where it's really unfortunate that the that the break that they took was right before the merge because I feel like, with the exception of one in one and a half people, I guess, and I'll explain that later. These pre-merge boots in Survivor Exile, this is the first time where I watch the season. I'm like, I'm really glad that those people went first. You know, a lot of times people on uh, the Facebook group previous on Survivor or Survivor Sucks, they hold a flame for some of these early pre-merge boots and say, you know, that person had a lot of potential. And if they, you know, the ball bounced a little bit differently, we, you know, we would be revering them. And I feel like for the most part, these pre-merge boots on Panama, it's like, yep, nope, yep,
1: <laughs> I, 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 would, I would actually put I, Misty, t- to me, might be the only person that actually falls below the Ashby line here. I feel like everyone else has just enough personality to, to squeak themselves up above, but I think that speaks generally to how much fun this cast is.
0: I disagree with that, but we will get to that later. And somewhere Bob Dog is not dead yet, but he's rolling in his grave. Bob Dog's the best, but we'll get there. <laughs> All right, let's get into episode one. Is this this is the first season with four tribes, correct? I believe that's, mm-hmm. that is. that is. Yeah, so yeah, we true. launch right into it. The first season with four tribes. And by the way, just spoiler alert, fantastic uh, uh, commitment to the execution that they dissolved that in the second episode. But we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, <laughs> not, only, not only that,
3: but this sets the precedence of <laughs> Jeff Probst not even freaking bothering with tribe names when they yeah, have these yeah. things. Like th- that's another thing that bothers me. and I'm always like typical modern survivor. He's not gonna, you know, it's it's brains and brawn and beauty, and he's not gonna say uh th- their names, but Luzon and stuff. But it's like here they've got four names: it's Lamina, Casaya, Viveros, and bayonetta But you know, he just gets on there and he's like, "Look, older men, younger men, and the graphics on the screen are that." And I'm like, <laughs> "They're not. They're literally not even trying. They're just yeah." Like, I, yep, I, lo- right. I
1: love in the challenges how like. I'd like, imagine Shane, who is 34, does not think that he's an old man. To have Jeff yell at him in the challenge, like, You gotta move older men! Older <laughs> men are horrible at this challenge! Like, that's gotta be so demoralizing.
2: You know, they yeah, really should have just, they should have scrapped, you know, the names that Jeff gave them and the names that of the tribes and just used the Beefcake Crowd, Love Boat Crowd, Golden <laughs> Girls, and Spice Girls. I think that would have just been more fun.
3: Speaking, speaking of that, you know, it's not the first confessional of the season that that Bobby has there. But that's that's a, such a star. That's an ace confessional, and it's like the third or fourth one right off the bat. But it's you know they, they get there just so, as you're watching it. They get to the uh, exile island, which has the naturally occurring skull um, housing structure on the one end,
2: <laughs> yes. where Jeff modeled after my... it was modeled after Dan Barry's face. Yes. <laughs> 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 oh, Welcome Dan. back. Welcome back, Paul. Thank you. So they,
3: they get on the mat and Jeff is looking at the tribes and he's asking them questions. And I, I, I like in here that, you know, in more modern seasons, a lot of times they get off the, the trucks or the boats or the helicopters or whatever they get off and Jeff says, you in the red, yes, what's your yes, name? Yes, and they yes, say their yes, name. Yes, like yes. Jeff has no idea who they are. Here he at least is off the bat. He's like, Suri, what do you think about these people? And she's like, ah, oh, we're by ages and genders. It's like, Clearly, Jeff knows who all these people are. He's been through casting. He's done his homework. He knows exactly who they are. I hate it when he the You! In the shirt! What's your name? Like, he's That's meeting them for the first time. It's like, shut up, Jeff. You totally know who they are.
0: I have to give a special uh, shout-out to Sari here. One of the most naturally likable players ever, who in her first confessional starts giggling, and you immediately fall in love with her.
1: She is... I, I've fallen in love with Sari all over again watching this season. She's just... And I think um, one of the things that we can make the argument with the Modern Survivor now is that there are a lot of people that kind of put some scripted elements into their confessionals because they know that the camera is going to perceive them and I'm sure we're going to talk about one of them uh, uh, probably about six seasons from now. Uh, But I think that Sari is one of those people that is a a natural confessional giver. Uh, She's just so giggly, but she has this really fantastic delivery. I mean, we won't won't get to back across the water in this season, but I think that's a great example of just how great Sari is and being very animated in her confessionals but not over the top.
0: Yeah, I was going to say there's very few players in survivor history that are are very well respected for being like a st- strategic player, like a very good survivor player and also a very good character and just very fun to watch. She's one of the rare few that's both. She's really good at both elements of that.
3: Ciri is one of the she, – she's in the quote-unquote Survivor Hall of Fame that's out there, and it's well-deserved. And so for those people who – I mean obviously Ciri has made several uh, appearances later on Micronesia and Heroes vs. Villains. But this is Ciri's season, uh, is her inaugural season, her flagship season, uh, Exile Island. And right off the bat, first episode, you understand why she's such a star and why they want to bring her back. And that's really good, But as Jeff is going there on the mat, he sees all the tribes, and he you know they all, you know, Surre and Shane, they sort of point out the obvious, like, well, it looks like ages and genders in these four tribes." And then Bobby, with the confessional that Paul alluded to earlier with the, "Well, we have the beefcake tribe, which why I'm president and charter member, <laughs> and then we have the love Boat crowd over there, and then we have the Golden Girls,
0: and we have the Spice Girls. Perfect. And I, one thing I had forgotten until I watched this season is how strong Danielle's Boston accent is.
1: <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> are you talking about Shane's, uh, Shane's son? No, the not Shane's no. I'm accent? talking
0: the girl, <laughs> the girl with the large fake breasts, Danielle. The, when
1: the she horse? mentioned,
0: <laughs> no, we're not going to make those jokes, Mike. No, okay. bad,
1: bad. Okay, all right.
0: Yeah, but Danielle says it's what I came here for. I mean, she's got that. Re- she's a really strong Boston accent. Yeah, it's about the most interesting wish- thing. The most interesting thing I could say about her, by the
2: way. Yeah, if you watch um, uh, the the DVD that's out there of the season, if you watch the pregame stuff, there's some some interviews and, and a roundtable discussion with with journalists and and Jeff Probst, and all the journalists are so underwhelmed by Danielle. They are just like <laughs> like she didn't give us anything, she didn't talk, and then you know Jeff's really trying to stick up for her, like oh well you know we really kind of see her as this like new Stephanie um, LaGrosa, and she's like you know, has this kind of Boston feel to her. She's like, Boston Rob. So he's like really trying to stick up to her, so... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Boston Rob. That's the first thing I think
0: of when I think, Danielle. Oh, yeah. Boston Rob. <laughs> Alright, let's jump right into the first challenge. Right off the bat, you get the four... Amulet. Trials. I'm amulet. sorry, the amulet. Yeah. Amulet. Yeah. Uh, we got talisman, we got amulet, Oh, whatever. So, the first three to run in, run into the jungle, uh, smash skulls, and come back with an amulet when fire and they all win uh, reward, and then the losing tribe sends someone to Exile Island, and this is of course the first uh, real, I mean they had Exile Island and Palau, this is the first modern incarnation of Exile Island, and Jeff has to explain it, you will go there, there's a hidden idol, so obviously a pretty historic moment in the evolution of Survivor here.
1: But this challenge is basically the three luckiest people it for their tribes, right? There is yeah. no skill involved to smashing skulls on rocks and running about 100 meters through the jungle.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it's really sad, and I think that they had to do it because that exile island is not very large, and it's sort of—I mean, th- there seems to be a, a part of the island that banks down into the water, but for the most part, it's sort of up, rising up with with steep cliffs coming from the water, so you can't do like a water challenge per se on Exile Island and they wanted to do a challenge but I just wonder if the space of the island they were like well we can't have 16 people running around doing something so they were like well just, just pick somebody and we'll have four people run this challenge and literally the challenge was they had to run 100 meters as Mike said down to a place and then smash skulls and three of them are going to have an amulet inside and the rest of them are just going to have like you know just some rock and so the, the first three people that get the amulet come back and win flint and and the the losers go to exile on I mean and as you said, it's literally just run down there and smash and hope you have the one that has the amulet in it.
2: They should have at least taken the amulets and then done like shuffleboard with the amulets. You know what I mean? Don't, like, don't, could,
1: yeah, that that should, should be another word that it. should be bleeped out just because of how much Jay dislikes shuffleboard on Survivor. Oh my god, <laughs> shuffleboard
0: well you know i have to say that one of my more underrated quotes of the season happens during this challenge and it's where you know they're all running out there and the teammates are waiting back (laughs) at the start line to see who's going to come back and tina very concerned about their choice because she mentions that ruth marie she's not a smasher like (laughs) how the fuck would you know she's not a smasher you've known her for 30 seconds (laughs) she's not a smasher smasher. we shouldn't have picked her (laughs)
3: She's not a smasher. And I don't know who it is, but I, again, I, I alluded to it at the beginning. But as they're going up to the start some, I think it's one of the older women. It might be Tina. I don't know. They're like, look for the amulet. Look for the amulet. Like, like you know, look around and go, so what, what, wait, what am I looking for? Am I. That was I, got,
1: I got a skull guy. Like, angels, angel I, nice. I, I, br- was... I brought back the skull. We win, right?
0: <laughs> no. Ruth no Ruth Mary, amulet. You have to smash. You have to smash, Ruth Marie. Oh, I, oh, I, I can't do that. I'm not I'm a not a smasher. <laughs> <laughs> there you go now it's people who re- will remember ruth marie because there's a quote about her it's the first uh, ruth marie first in survivor history
2: is well, anyway, this one of the new types that you talk about jay from now on now <laughs> we have smashers <laughs> we have smashers <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to talk about the smasher of cook islands <laughs> uh that's christina
1: Korea. she's the smasher yeah, she's clearly
2: clearly
3: yeah i thought you gonna, i thought i was just gonna say the smasher of cook islands is the season itself but um <laughs> Uh, so anyway this challenge just so we can get it over with pretty boring they just run over there and they smash terry of course gets the first one which you know wow what a challenge god which he is but it's just really funny that he happens to like beat everyone by a country mile in a luck challenge as well and then uh austin who ran for the younger men gets his amulet and then there's small suspense but ruth marie the smasher comes through <laughs> and so the younger women have to leave someone behind an exile island and they do rock paper scissors
0: And our first, very first person ever left on Exile Island is Misty. And I think a lot of people forget Misty's awesome profession. She is Misty the young, what, about 24-year-old, 23-year-old? Misty Mm -hmm. the the, the young female missile engineer, which is just a fantastic profession on Survivor. This season might have the
3: best professions. Like, (laughs) as a whole. Because you have Misty the missile engineer, you have Terry the fighter pilot. And dan, dan the astronaut dan the astronaut
1: yeah. which trumps almost everything ever and so with marie you're... not the smasher <laughs> not. i mean tina the lumberjill is pretty fantastic too
3: yeah, lumberjill bobby mason president beefcake tribe so you know you, you have good you have, you have you have good professions all the way through here wait what's,
0: love, Mal- what's melinda's she has something interesting too she's right she's an aspiring
1: like a, actress i, I thought said, she no, was awesome. like a I thought inter- she was like singer-entertainer, singer,
0: entertainer. yeah. Yeah, they said entertainer. Yeah, she's like an impressionist. I thought she did like impressions of Dolly Parton and stuff, if I recall. Not that it has yeah. anything to do with the episode.
3: I thought she, there was something interesting about her. Well, and like and Austin is a writer. Like it's, <laughs> it's just like, really? And then Aris is guy they'll bring back eventually.
0: Yeah.
2: What I love about this, you know, the scene where they drop off, I um, uh, almost called her Melinda, Misty. When they, when they drop Misty off here, and they kind of he explains this whole setup of of XL Island and what this twist is going to be with the island stuff. You know, it is it is quite fun. When I when I'm mysterious it was. Like now we're just so used to it and used to these to the these twists in the game. Uh, but when it was first introduced, I liked how cryptic Jeff was with it, and I love that the clue he left for him or for her was like this it was supposed to be that he was supposed to be emphasizing why like why did fate leave you behind and stuff like that and then she kind of then he says at the end of it as for your first clue to the idol you've already you know you already have it i already gave it to you and so she thinks it's something about being behind her because she was left behind but um i like that survivor didn't spill it i didn't spell that out for us we don't find out till later you know even next episode you have to be reading the clue to figure out the whole why thing and i like that you know, Survivor very rarely will just leave things open like that. Survivor is very much about you know spelling things out very clearly for us. So I thought that was a fun moment on the rewatch.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm excited about this because this was one of the only times in the series with this idol that they're going to leave these cryptic clues. I feel like once we get to He Who Must Not Be Named, who's just reaching into random trees and pulling things out. And even we'll see it in Cook Islands, where you will find it in episode 2. Granted, it takes Terry a couple weeks, cumulative days on Exile Island, to find it. But it's nice that, like to begin with, like you said, Paul, they have this Y clue. And even in the subsequent clues, they're just highlighting certain areas where it not, it's not, and then just giving very basic things of, like, it's above the title line. So I'm really happy that they're not like, look for this random mark landmark in the camp and that's where it is because that's how they're able to use exile island to its benefit you know you can you can dig up the whole island if you want they can bury it any which way they want to
3: it's it's, it's fun as well that like they really buried that idol like it, it, it's you need several clues in order to find it it's it's not a, a later on thing where it's literally just in a tree or you know just in a, in a a hole in a rock or something like that, you know, Jeff Probst might as well have just said to Misty, here's your you you're not fricking finding it. Just wait for the next challenge.
0: (laughs) All right. So with Misty, uh, banished on exile Island, which uh, again is actually pretty harsh. This is a legitimate hardship to be on exile Island this season. But with Misty banished, we go to the actual first time we meet these tribes at their camp. And this is where, I forgot there's so many great Suri moments this season, but this is where she's scared of leaves. We go to the older women's tribe, and Suri will not clear the brush because there's things under the leaves, and, quote, I am not good with things.
1: <laughs> I love it. And actually, these, these four scenes where they're introducing each of the tribes, I completely forgot that like each mm-hmm. of these scenes are funny. Yeah, and again, mm-hmm. I think it leads credence to my theory that I, I still think Survivor Exile Island is the funniest season ever uh, on the whole. And I think that e- it's, it's remarkable to think that, like, each of these scenes have comedic moments. But all along with this leaves thing, I mean, I, got it, I, I don't remember if Tina has this quote now or later, but I love this confessional where she's like, afraid of leaves. Does, does she know what show she's on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: She also drops a holy shnikes, Tina. So Tina goes Chris Farley on us there.
3: They're all, all right. good scenes. Uh, the, the women's tribe, it's a good scene, uh, especially the fact that we get a little bit of Tina here because we're, we're, we're not going to get a lot of Tina. But they do show the fact that the women's tribe, the older women's tribe, does fairly well starting out and mainly because of Tina. So good to know for the future.
2: You know, it's great. Getting, you get so much Tina and sarita by the end of the episode, you're kind of sad that one of them's going to go. And I remember watching it the first time and like not really knowing which one I'd rather go because we get so much you know uh good stuff from both Suri and tina so they're, they're both fabulous in this episode
0: all right so then we go to the younger men's tribe which <laughs> of course starts with them playing coconut baseball and then aris leads them in a little yoga circle
1: I, is it a yoga circle or is it put your hands out and listen to my bullshit for about uh, 45 minutes
0: i think that's a very uh generic definition of yoga in general <laughs> so <laughs> yes that's right, we alienate the yoga crowd very very early here. But yeah, it's the, they just put their hands in a circle and, and R.S. does some incantation, so I'm not entirely sure what that was. You know, at the time I remember, I thought that R.S. and Nick looked very similar when the season first aired the first time, and I couldn't tell them apart for a couple episodes. And I even noticed that now, I was like, why is Nick even there? What does Nick bring to the table in this season? Nick
3: is a contestant on Survivor Panama 12, <laughs> Exile Island. Is he a smasher?
2: I was going to say, he was like the, he's the male smasher. You know? <laughs> he,
3: he's, no, he's a snake wrangler, and we'll get to that later. Yes,
2: he's a,
0: <laughs> he's a snake wrangler. I hope I that's not a that, masturbation
3: reference. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, well, it could be. But uh, th- th- this is a funny scene, and it, it's the funny scene in contrast. And I like, you know, Mike, I think you mentioned that not only is it funny, we get, we get comedy moments from the older women's camp because of Siri and the interplay there. But with the men's camp, it's, you know, yes, we've got this weird bullshitty scene with with aris and the in the in the getting the energy from the hands one inch apart and all that sort of stuff but they were playing baseball with coconuts at the beginning and then they make this shelter and my wife oh my w- walked by the room as i was watching it my my wife literally said that is the worst shelter i've ever <laughs> seen on survivor and and she said clark could make a better shelter than that so for those of you who know clark is my nephew he's five
1: uh so what what would, what would rafa think of this shelter
3: Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! No no! no. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's no good. He didn't He's like. Still down. probably
2: better than than Rupert's cabin. See, we were gonna talk about All Stars. I'm ready. I, I'm ready to talk about Rupert's cabin. <laughs>
0: Not
1: good. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> but that I I agree with Jay. This is probably the sorriest shelter I think I've seen in. 30 plus seasons of the show at this point They literally just took sticks Leaned them up against the tree in like a Semi-circular formation and then just threw Leaves on top of it It is the worst thing I think I've ever seen on the show
0: You know what's funny Is the young men actually get more done Than the, the young women do so that's, They're not the worst of the four tribes
3: Yes, the, the women get credit because they didn't attempt to build a shelter, so we can't compare it. But as far as attempting a shelter, the men had a pretty bad shelter, which then I guess leads us into we go to the younger women next. So we see that basically the, the theme is is that the older people are thriving and the younger people are not because the younger men have clearly played baseball and have built the worst shelter known to man, And then the younger women get there and they can't decide on where to build the shelter.
2: I was going to say, then you know, they're, the younger men are playing baseball, and the younger women are playing with dead turtles. So. Oh, God, <laughs> oh kids these days, right? Yeah, that's a great scene. Uh, if you guys don't
0: remember, you know, the, the younger women are walking around. They can't decide where to build anything or what to do. They're just basically taking a tour of their campsite. And they find a big dead turtle on the beach. And Courtney, because she's Courtney, decides that we have to have a little ceremony for the turtle. So she, <laughs> she draws a little heart around it in the sand. And then she gives a little speech about how it represents mother and goddess in Native American culture and how basically it's very symbolic because the, the turtle is Mother Earth. And she basically turns into Linda Spencer here for a little bit.
2: Plus, right, plus, Gentry. Yeah. A little bit of both. That's what's great about that. Um, and what's also great about it is she's doing this whole thing and they keep cutting to Sally and specifically Danielle's face that she makes it everything. <laughs> and, and Courtney says something about, you know, before like the turtle, you know, is rolled back into the sea. And Danielle just looks and goes, rolled? <laughs> and it's just like, what? It's great. That's
3: such an underrated quote that we're uh, going to roll it.
1: I love it. It's, it's, uh, it's that moment you can instantly tell that Danielle and Sally are like, why didn't we just vote her on to Exile Island? What's, <laughs> what's Misty their decision
2: like? immediately?
0: I love the way you said that, Paul. It's the one face that Danielle gives to everything.
2: Yeah, it's her not. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of one face she got. She has.
3: Yeah, we Danielle- will see it a lot later. Yeah, Danielle lives in a constant state of not being impressed by things. <laughs> she can't even. Yeah, I can't I can't even with this. <laughs> Which with a lot of people out there you sort of get, but but on the other hand, there's that. We get some Sally moments here, and, and Sally's narration this whole time is really going to be Sally's got great ideas, but she doesn't seem like she ever bothers to tell anyone great ideas. <laughs> So, you know, Sally is one of those, she's not even like, it's not even like she gives a great confessional in the sense that, like, she's sparkly and witty and, and cracking jokes. She just looks in the camera and says, we really should have just picked a spot and built a shelter. And it's like, you're right, Sally, you should have. And yet you didn't.
1: And for those of, you that are hear, those of you that are hearing that noise, that is indeed Dalton Ross fapping now that Jay has mentioned Sally's name.
0: <laughs> Sally's such an odd character to, fast, to be fascinated by. Yeah, it's yeah, it's
1: really it's, it's weirdly it's weird.
2: <laughs> it's only because everyone else on this season are such like nut jobs, like that she's like the normal person. Everyone's like, oh, Sally, like yeah, she's so normal. Look at her fashion and her knee socks. Yeah. All
3: right,
1: that's oh, no, Paul. That, all that, right, that was
0: great. So now we cut to the older men's tribe, which uh, starts with a course of Bruce doing his samurai cut when he's chopping the wood.
3: We well, get um, you get Shane rolling his eyes, but then you cut over there and like. <laughs> They're building a pretty sturdy shelter. They've got like a fire that's nine feet high. They're just, you know, going along. And it's just, it's a nice juxtaposition to the fact that we've had the younger men who were feudal and we had the younger women who were feudal. And then we get the older men and they're just like, yep, we're camping. Good. (laughs) Yep.
0: Yeah. And this, you get a very, or I wouldn't say it's a very important scene here, but it's a, it's a very, highlighted scene. They highlight it, and they spend a lot of time mentioning it, that Dan and Terry make this big uh, alliance with one another where they promise never to vote each other out, never to lie to each other, and they both give their secret that Dan is an astronaut and Terry flew F-14s in the military. it's, It's kind of interesting how much reverence this scene is treated with, and basically how both of these characters are treated with reverence all season. It's clear to me that Mark Burnett just loves characters like that, these military guys, astronaut guys, just because of how old he is, the era he grew up in, like astronauts were a big deal to Mark Burnett, so he really highlights this whole storyline. Even though it really adds nothing to the season, and it, it doesn't, it really isn't a part of the main storyline. But there's a lot of attention that will be drawn to it all the way through Dan's boot episode.
2: You know, the scene is is actually so awkward when you watch it that um, when the, when the, when the episode aired, like the first part of their conversation ended up on the soup. Because it was like such an awkward like they're sm- kind of smiling back at each other and they're kind of talking, but yeah, uh, yeah, and they're kind of going back and <laughs> forth. That that was you know a clip that it was played on the soup. So Mark Burnett might have thought this was this great scene, but uh, you know, if you didn't know Survivor or really get the context, it was a really weird scene.
1: My my question is with this scene after you know uh, did Terry think like oh Dan revealed he's an astronaut. I got to reveal my big secret then. Like, Did he think that being in the military is on the same level as being an astronaut in terms of of claims to fame?
0: If you know Terry, I would say yes. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I'd know. The serious answer, I do believe he thinks they're the same thing. He flew F-14s. Dan's like, wow, what's an an (laughs) F-14? Which is
3: cool, right? It's really cool (laughs) that he flew an F-14 and took off on an aircraft carrier. and I mean, all mad props to that, but... But being an astronaut—that's, yeah, that's, that's different. S- that's a different level.
0: That's all. That's that's not. That's out of this world, literally. Wow. I like to apologize to our audience. We usually are better than that joke. Shut up! It was amazing. <laughs> Paul, say something funny about Gene. Fuck Gene. <laughs> all right. So anyway, now we get another. This. Okay, the Dan storyline about being an astronaut is not going to be very pivotal to anything. But now we go to a storyline that will be very pivotal. This is Shane drops the fact on us that, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm a a three-pack-a-day smoker, and I quit today. So he's going through detox right
1: now. And it really is that nonchalant because the the way the confessional is structured is so brilliant on a comedic level because he's just like, I want to start calling people up for being idiotic. I, I feel like I don't fit in with these guys. Plus, you know, I used to smoke three packs a day, and I quit yesterday. Like, it's just so, like, thrown in on there at the end that it's going to inform Shane for the rest of the 35 days he's on the island. Um, and, we, and we cut immediately to him calling Bruce Daffy Duck, which is just <laughs> great on so many levels.
0: Yeah. I'd completely forgotten about that until I watched it, and I was just giggling. Because, like, Bruce does have a very distinct voice, and he was the he's the guy I've been hoping I could impersonate on this season just because he's got that very high voice. But, yeah, Shane immediately calls him Daffy Duck on day one, which is perfect. All right, so what do we got here? Yeah, so we've met all our our four tribes. We go to Misty. She tells us she can't find the idol, but she's going to lie and tell people she found it. And really, that's about it. That's our introduction. When you have four tribes, that's literally all the character time you have to give to each tribe. It's bam, 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 just something funny about each group, something about their work ethic, and then bam, now we're right into the immunity challenge.
2: And I can't wait to talk about Misty's great lie. She worked on that one forever.
1: (laughs) I'm going to tell them that I found the idol.
2: <laughs> you know what's funny? You know so what's you funny spent, is that you spent time you spent time looking for the idol. Enough. 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 enough.
3: What, what's funny is that you know people who have a more modern spin probably look back on the season and and the strategy here is Misty, you're an idiot. You don't tell people you have the hidden immunity idol because it puts a target on your back. The thing though is is that this is one of these storylines that isn't going to go anywhere because. Not only is, spoiler alert, Misty not lasting long in this game, she doesn't get targeted because they think she has an idol or anything like that. So she has this confessional of like, ooh, I think I'm going to like tell them that I have an idol, and she plays it very coy when they get to the immunity challenge. It's not going to be brought up again.
1: Plus, this is also the, this is one of the first, I mean, we saw the first iteration of the idol last season with Gary, but this is the, this is when we're getting to the super idol couple of seasons where in this case, with this idol, which can be played after the votes and basically tell someone, like, listen, you can vote me out, but basically whoever I'm voting for is going home. You can actually use this information to your advantage. And that's kind of if I think, you know, in these final rounds, when Terry Diz does, doesn't win immunity, he's able to use that information with people saying, I don't want to vote Terry out because I know he's not going to go home and he's probably going to vote me out. So, again, had this information crystallized more and, and Misty stuck around long enough, this information could have come in handy. Again, if she stuck around past nine days.
0: All right, so the immunity challenge here, this is the one where they have to run out and retrieve... What are they getting? Puzzle pieces? Paddles? I forget what. They're getting something, then they row back in and they have to dig in the hole and find the idol. Or find something.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's an interesting one because this is one of those challenges, and we saw it even so recently as like the first episode of Survivor Worlds Apart, where they can make a choice here. Uh, where, or at least the, the way the, the, the challenge producers thought it would be, where once they paddle back to shore, they have to like, untangle this metal ring from the ropes, and you can either just do it yourself and try to brute force your way through it, or you can dig up instructions as to how to do that. I don't know if the producers predicted that they would split it up two and two, but I think they really wanted the tribes to make a decision of, like, should we spend energy now and waste time to dig up instructions, or should we try to just go with it as much as we could on our own wits?
0: And I was going to say, the the only real surprise in this challenge is that the young men, they struggle at the start. They're way behind. Like, they're getting dusted by the older women, the younger women, and the older men in a physical just dive down, untie something, and row back challenge. So it's kind of surprising when you watch it to see how far the young men are getting – are behind.
2: Well, and then you have the older women who is Melinda who stands there and gets called out for just standing there and not even doing anything. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the older women
0: are so far ahead, and then they just kind of choke during the digging part, the last part of the challenge.
3: Yeah, which one of the younger men goes down and, and can't unclip? Nick. It's Nick, right? So, so now we
1: know what Nick, Nick's not a swimmer. He,
3: well, he, not a swimmer, he's, not a
2: smasher, what is he?
3: No, he's, he's, he's a swimmer, he's just not an unclipper.
2: Oh, okay, not a clipper. Yeah. That's the yeah, archetype, yeah, is that's he, Is he a spur? <laughs> is he a
3: spur, a wizard? What what what's funny? Yeah, nice basketball reference. Well done, Mike. Oh, sports. Uh, what what's funny about that is that again, I guess if we're doing a survivor 101 lesson, if you are doing a challenge where something is clipped into the water and you have to dive down to unclip it, for the love of god, as you are diving, just take the rope or whatever it's attached to and follow it down until you can feel the clip. Like that was where Nick got it wrong. It's not that he couldn't dive like skinny Ryan from Pearl islands. It's just that he dove all the way down to the base of the structure and was looking for the clip and it wasn't there. And the clip was literally like halfway down or a third of the way down. And, and and he just didn't know where the clip was. And so for everyone out there, please just follow the rope down until you feel the clip. It's that simple.
0: Alright, so yeah, the young men are struggling at the start, they come back at the end, they out-dig the older women, and uh, not surprisingly at all, the older women lose the first immunity challenge. Yeah. Yep, and so, and, and unfortunately for Paul, none of the older women fell down. I mean, you had four of them in one place, you'd think someone would have fallen.
2: Well, I mean, it was kind of great to see him kind of tumbling, you know, into the water from that high structure and whatnot, but the fact that they were going to lose and that was going to cut down on the number of chances for an old woman to fall was really heartbreaking for me.
0: Yeah, I know it was a tough time for you. I'm sure.
3: Do you count this Mario for the fact that in survivor Amazon, we had men versus women and women win the first challenge. And then in survivor Vanuatu we have men versus women, women win the first challenge. And we're going to go to survivor, you know, in survivor one world, many, many seasons later, men versus women, men technically win the first challenge on the fact that they just stop it because Courtney was injured. But do you consider the men's first win here, the fact that we've got men versus women, but it's two tribes of men and two tribes of women, and just one tribe of women came in last? Does that count?
0: I don't think it does, because the thing with Battle of the Sexes, seasons, where it's just one against one, where it's really hardcore competitive. This one, you're competing against three different teams, so it's not really a battle. It doesn't feel like a Battle of the Sexes like some of the other ones do. Like it's, it's not personal like it was in Amazon.
1: Plus, there are no balance beams.
0: That's a good point, and Melinda's not a digger. she's yeah she was trying to like
3: figure out how they were doing the the ring challenge and she clearly didn't do it but uh so anyway the the older women come in last and and just a shout out to i guess the theme of
0: survivor panama exile island is shrunken heads (laughs) yeah i was noticing that as i'm watching how many different themes they kind they're kind of throwing a bunch of stuff at you at the start of the season but shrunken heads seems to be one that they love that the imagery of that
1: I think it's just the occult, right? Because yeah. we have zombies, but we also have, like, voodoo with shrunken heads. It's, and, you it's- have,
0: yeah. and you have Dan, who's undead to begin with.
2: Yes. <laughs> right, I think that's where, you know, they, they didn't know where to start. I think he definitely was probably the first one cast, and that's where everything came from. <laughs>
3: yes. so, so those of you who don't know, the, the hidden immunity, or not the hidden immunity, the immunity... Uh, talisman. Uh, talisman. Talisman. Yes, the immunity talisman is the staff, and the staff has got three shrunken heads on it. And how they divide up the immunity for the first uh, episode here, because three tribes win immunity and one tribe does not, is the the winning tribe, which was the younger women who beat everybody, they got the base of the staff and then Jeff took off two of these shrunken heads on this talisman and gave one to each tribe and was like, here, have a head, you are immune.
2: <laughs> younger women got the, the whole staff, which had some more spiritual value to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Courtney, yeah, I'm 10. sure. Could, yeah, Courtney
0: could attribute some spiritual value to it. She, sure. I,
1: I wanted to just lay it down, like draw another heart around the turtle using the immunity. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it could have used the staff to, you know, roll the turtle back into the sea. To <laughs> <Push, laughs> poke it with a stick.
3: Wait wait, wait, a, wait, wait, a minute,
0: Paul. Wait, wait a minute, Paul. We're rolling it. Rolling it.
2: I could see. it could see the face so perfectly. <laughs>
0: I, what I would have loved is Courtney would have taken that dead turtle and dumped it into Bruce's rock garden later, just to memorialize <laughs> it.
2: Just to piss Bruce she off bur- further. Buried it there.
0: <laughs> she put a turtle in my rock garden.
2: And then, and
1: then when, when Bruce is medevaced, Courtney puts the turtle in his spot in the shelter. <laughs>
0: she throws it onto the, the stretcher with him. Here, take the turtle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, don't. Fa- no. Bruce, Bruce, your favorite turtle. <laughs> yeah. Stop.
0: My, my colon, Stop. <laughs> so anyway we get
3: uh we we get the the pre tribal council discussion with the older women, and what 's funny is that Tina is by herself and sort of you know talking things out and it 's again survivor one one don 't go off by yourself on the first three days of the game
1: and and uh, i is really utilizing this strategy here which i we 've talked about a bunch of times, but Rudy brings it up in the all stars commentary about how. In the, with the first vote really it's just sort of bring up any name and as long as any name isn't yours just go with that answer and ceria is able to utilize this because she knows she's a huge target for not being a big physical presence and not a camp presence so she says hey let me just plant the seed of tina with ruth maria and melinda and just see where it goes
0: yeah and i love i love Cerise logic and number one it's ridiculous but number two it works like how are we ever going to beat her like Who's thinking of the, who's gonna, who you're going to beat in the final at the end of the season on episode one? Like, it's just it's ridiculous logic, but it works somehow. Right.
2: But what she also does really well there is she is stepping up to scale the fish and do these different things. And she makes the comment that everything I do is I'm trying to show the other girls that we're going to be fine without Tina. So she, she plays this first episode super well because you mm-hmm. think she doesn't do these things. So goes out episode one and we you know we do have have this great three time Hall of Famer.
0: Now, let's see, who's going to touch the uh, Tina on the beach scene here?
1: Well, I will say uh, (laughs) this poor beach god of Panama in that he's had a tough day, considering that a dead turtle washed up on his beach and a woman's drawing a heart around it, and now she has this other woman writing her dead son's name in the sand as well.
0: Yeah, that's about as far as I'm going to go with the jokes on this scene. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, for those of you who don't remember... Tina, her uh, 16-year-old son, died in a car accident just a couple of months before she left for Survivor. She goes down on the beach to remember him, and she writes his name in the sand. And this is her little moment that she has. Clearly, she's still dealing with this. It's very fresh in her mind. It's a very sad scene. And unfortunately, it's one of the things that probably gets Tina voted off because she's not around to strategize. And they're like, well, let's just vote for Tina. She's not here. But it's it's a very sad scene when you see it in in you realize, I mean, this is something that just, just, just happened to Tina. She lost her only son, and this is the only way she can kind of process it—is go down to the beach and have conversations with him. So, yeah, it's a, it's a sad scene, and kind of takes away from the lightheartedness of this episode. But it is there, and it's always, it always kind of breaks my heart when I watch it.
3: Is her son the reason as well? Because Tina was slated to be on an earlier season, correct?
2: Yes, Guatemala, Guatemala. Yep. Yeah. Probably at Amy's spot, would not you think?
1: I think, it, I think it was confirmed, yeah, that Amy took her spot, so we wouldn't have gotten friggin' predator if yeah. uh, if Tina had not had to bow out of Guatemala.
2: Oh, guys, I can't wait to podcast about that season. Yeah, it's gonna be so much fun. Alright, so
0: yeah, basically what happens here is it's gonna come down to Sari or Tina. Sari because she's weak or Tina because she's not around to defend herself, and it just basically comes down to Sari a better survivor player. She makes a better argument, and Tina gets completely blindsided having no idea that it was possible that they'd vote out their hardest worker and their most capable outdoors woman. But there's
3: precedent for that. I mean, you know, Deb Eaton, Survivor of Australia.
0: That's right.
1: <laughs> so now if, if Deb did build the shelter made of rocks, would that be worse than the younger men's shelter?
0: I don't know. Maybe. Deb's Deb's not a builder. <laughs> All right. So anyway, episode one is done. Tina's gone, and she—you know—she's pretty memorable for her first boot. She's one that, one of those that you watch her. Like, I would have kind of liked to see her stick around longer. I think she would have been an interesting character. And I can't say that about a lot of first boots.
3: And it's it's one of those boots where if you're bringing somebody fresh into Survivor and trying to explain the game to them, and you basically are like, "Yeah, they voted out Tina because she was really competent and showed them all how to survive out there on the island." That's that's why they got rid of her.
0: Yep. Although, then you can just add, by the way, this lady, Sari, she just completely owned her. Yeah, also Mm -hmm. that. is fantastic at Survivor. Just watch her. Yes, I know. Also,
2: the other lesson learned is that if your name is Tina, and you go to play Survivor in Panama, just, like, you know, low expectations. (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) Two appearances, six days.
1: (laughs) One name. (laughs)
0: All right. So we are going to jump ahead to episode two now. And uh, it's kind of funny. I just wrote in my notes for episode two, why even give the tribes names? Because yeah, even in his recap, Jeff is saying the older women did this, the younger women. So this is one of those, this is how you know you're an uber survivor nerd. If you have someone who thinks he knows a lot about survivor, ask them to name all four tribes in Panama, because it's a very tough trivia question.
2: Well, and right. what was infuriating about going to the second episode is that this is the first time that they didn't give us the full opening yes. sequence uh, yep, like, we, uh, we don't even do it you know but they had this abbreviated um, sequence and then I remember watching it thinking well maybe they didn't want to reveal who the next two tribes are but we see throughout this whole season that I think there's only about four maybe five times that we actually get the full you know, opening credits um, wow. which is sad for a, a survivor purist but I'm over it now
1: yeah, I, I mean, just, yeah, this that's, is, that's, go ahead. yeah, this this is the moment when we start to really I mean, we started to feel it a little bit in like when they started throwing things in Palau and Guatemala and even a little bit in Vanuatu. But we're starting to realize like, oh, this is they're starting to change the formula a little bit of what we've been seeing for the first like seven seasons or so. And I, I agree with Paul. I, I think a lot of the fan community had the same sort of nerdly nerdy, like very, you know, a very detail-oriented rage when it came <laughs> to well those now the, the the credits have been severely shortened uh, which which was not fun to watch
0: it's yeah. feel- like the, yeah the Rain Man reaction is how I was gonna say like the pancakes are definitely supposed to be on the table they're supposed to be on the table and the, the maple syrup and the toothpicks like we just know what's supposed to be there in a Survivor episode and people get annoyed.
3: Look, I can see both sides. I get the fact, and and Survivor's argument, and especially in the modern part of it, is that instead of spending the 45 seconds to a minute on the opening credits, they can use that time to show you something in the show. And I get that. They've got limited time. They've just got the 43 minutes that they can show for each episode. My argument, though, is that Survivor's opening credits to me are very iconic, and not just that I've been such a fan of the show for all of these years. I put survivors opening credits against most any opening credits ever, and I just feel like that's something that you just don't mess with right there. Like if you yeah. want to, if you want to take certain things away, I get it. Maybe we'll put up a fight because we are purists and, and nerds and love the show in, in such a way. But I feel, you know, there are certain things. If if you do, if you direct certain plays you have to have certain things go. Even if you're trying to put your own spin and change things up and have different uh, staging and blocking, there are just certain things you don't mess with. And I feel like the opening credits are just something you don't mess with, and yet they messed with them and said, dude, it's okay, and I, I don't think it's okay.
0: Well, also, you just don't see the names of the players. That's, that's a big deal. Like, yeah. all of a sudden, you're watching, like, who the hell's Nick? I don't remember a Nick in episode one, but if they don't show him in the credits, you have no idea who this guy is sometimes. Is he the smasher? <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, it's just, again, I was always a big fan of Russ Landau. The music of Survivor, I've always argued, was just as important as the players as to why it became a big hit. So yeah, to see them take away some of the Russ Landau music and, or at least de-emphasize it, it, it was just a sad moment if you know your Survivor history. I really would have liked
3: it to just have that extra moment to you know rip in pieces Bayonetta and Viveros because, man, those names are really important.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, again, ask ask uh, 100 survivor fans if they remember the four tribes from the season. I'm guessing 99 out of 100 will not remember Bayonetta and Viveros was the other one.
1: Viveros. Yes. Yeah. I think yeah. I think it I think it means like something maybe I think it means something like young or young spirited in some sort of uh, Mesoamerican language.
3: Well, viva in Spanish is is alive, so viveros, you know, to have to be alive, to have vigor. I thought it meant dead turtle.
1: <laughs> no.
2: Well, I just want to say I've finally been outdone by the temp, telling me something I don't know already. Maybe it's time for me to leave.
1: Paul just, Paul just explodes now. Go to bed, old man. Paul, there can oh, only Paul, be one. You're, Paul, you're still here.
0: Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Take a
3: hint already, jeez.
0: <laughs> All right, so we are in episode two, and the other thing that I kind of wrote in my notes here is that it's weird watching storytelling when there's four tribes. And I know it 's just kind of in kind of a, the the problems with the format, but every scene of of the tribes in these early episodes is only like twenty thirty seconds long it 's just bam okay here 's something that 's happening in this tribe bam here 's something that 's happening at this tribe it 's very superficial storytelling, and it, admittedly we 're not going to need four tribes because we 're about to dissolve them, but it 's just it 's just hard to tell four different stories at once it 's very truncated
1: and it mostly is kind of the same story here, right? It seems like we go to older men. There, there's, a, there's a storm hitting and the, the older men have bad luck because I guess the, storm is, the rain is falling in on the opposite side of where their canopy is. Younger men are doing badly, obviously, because of their shit pile of a shelter. Older women can't make the fire. Younger women are doing okay, but mostly because some of them are having orgasms over eating papaya.
0: <laughs> yes. Although, you know, as much as the good things that are happening with the younger women's tribe, did you sketch on a rewatch this rash that Misty has all over her arm? Ugh, it's yeah. disgusting.
2: It's yeah. nasty. It
0: looks like Colleen's legs back in Borneo when she was bit, all bitten by the bugs. We're only on the second episode and Misty's giving a confessional and she has this big old red splotches and gashes all over her arm and and uh, What else? It's on her arm and her hand. It's just nasty. It's off
2: her hand, and she's holding this papaya, and it could be this kind of, you know, central scene where she's talking about, oh, this papaya's so orgasmic, and then you're, like, looking at her, like, effed-up hand, and you're like, ooh, gross.
0: Yeah. (laughs) See, aren't you glad you guys listened to this show? You've learned that Misty had a rash on her arm. You never would have known that if you had not listened to Survivor Historians. All right, and this is... We got another integral storyline here. We had one last episode with Shane you know detoxing cuz he's not smoking anymore but now Shane wants to quit he wants to go home he doesn't want to be here anymore i wonder why <laughs> yeah i know but yeah this is another storyline that will come in come up many times over the next couple episodes that Shane is thinking of quitting because he, he this was a bad decision to come out here
1: and Shane is a self-described ADD psycho boy. and You can even see it here in this scene where he gives about 10 different reasons why he's quitting. First, he starts off by saying, like, well, I'm homesick. Then he says, well, I'm bored. Then he says, like, you know, well, the weather's rough. So Shane's just piling, like, darting between all these different reasons about why he should go home. But we'll see it over the course of, like, 30 show minutes, he'll be back to wanting to be in the game again. <laughs> yes.
0: All right, so... That's really the, all the plot that we have with Four Tribes because uh, we're about to dissolve the Four Tribes. Yes, it's the first pointless twist in Survivor history. We are going to forget that we ever had Four Tribes and go down to two. So here we go. The reward challenge is the twist.
3: I think they just did this at the beginning just to show the people at home that they could do this so that we could <laughs> have it for, for seasons later, later seasons. It was just like, here's the thing. All right, it's kind of like that um, in Survivor Thailand uh, during the group auction, the mm-hmm. tribal auction, where Jeff's like, "Does anyone want to switch tribes?" and no one really does. And it was just, "Well, we just did that. We're, we're going to do it later." <laughs> yeah,
2: I, th- I think maybe without Tina, they felt like the older women like we're going to lose for sure again. There was like absolutely no chance, and it yeah, was like, "Let's cover our asses here. Just like move on with this."
1: That is that is a good point, and I actually thought about that too. I don't I don't know. Again, putting on these tinfoil hats, how much production actually. Put stock into that but I mean it is a good thought of like you know and I, if you do stick with that and older women lose again then they're down to two if you do a sort of a swap then depending on how the numbers f- fan out they could be completely screwed again so I think they, if they wanted to nip it in the bud they had to do it now and that meant to kind of leave the four tribes twist behind in the dust and forget about it until they dust it off for next season.
3: I think they also did it here just, just for the fact of how the tribes shake out and, and how it is is they all stand on a disc Two of them have a buff. It's a man and a woman, and it turns out to be Terry and Danielle. And they basically they're going to do a schoolyard pick, alternating genders uh, until basically everybody is picked. But since there's 15 people, one person is going to be left over. And it happens to be Bruce.
0: Yeah, so let's go through the picks just in case people don't remember who was picked. In fact, it's particularly noteworthy because as much as a cluster F as Kasaya turns into later, you have to remember, they chose each other. They chose each other. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> Daniel so gets great.
3: Danielle gets to pick first, and she picks Shane. What and she picks hell? Shane especially because he has a tattoo of Boston yeah. on him, which is always the fun, ironic thing, because Danielle is as associating with Boston, as in the city she is from and identifies with, and Shane has a tattoo of Boston, which is his son's name.
1: Uh, yeah, and I and I love this scene as well because you know Danielle's like I'll pick the cool guy with the the Boston tattoo, and Shane just does this little weird shred, He goes, oh the cool guy, oh, and cool it's with, with his little like paunch sticking out as he usually does. So that's and uh, so Terry picks Sally, and then to set up a conflict that will last for the rest of the season, Shane picks Courtney. <laughs> and <then> the <laughs> sound
2: she makes, what does she make? It's just like a bird noise or something. It's like. Wah! <laughs>
0: Yeah, but again, the the irony of that is just delicious. That Danielle picks Shane and Shane picks Courtney. They chose to be on the same tribe. Specifically, they chose each other. That's just wonderful when you know how the season plays out.
3: Does Sally pick Nick next? Austin, Austin. the fast guy. Austin, Austin. yeah, the fast guy, Austin. And then Courtney
1: picks.
0: Aris.
3: Aris, Which is, you know, all right, Aris is fine.
1: Yeah, Austin picks Misty, aka Exile Island. I, yeah, I was gonna say I'm, I'm glad it's that instead of rash girl. Yeah,
0: exactly, yeah, aka eczema skin. <laughs> <laughs> and then RS picks Siri. No, he and, picks Siri. Oh, I'm sorry, Siri. Siri yeah. <laughs>
1: <And then laughs> he was then ahead Jeff of his time. phone goes off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Mister picks Nick. And uh, Siri picks Bobby. And Nick picks Ruth Marie. There we go. Another mention of Ruth Marie being on Survivor. Yay. <clears throat> and then Bobby picks Melinda after she does her little sexy pose. Because
3: he has to <laughs> Love pick Love the Melinda's sexy pose. <laughs> Melinda's the only one left, so Bobby has to pick Melinda. So then Maruth Marie has the choice, because it's at the end, and the two people left are Dan and Bruce.
1: Yeah, Daffy Duck and Skeletor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Please pick me. <laughs> <But> She'll <laughs>
2: she pick the, the young man, man though, right? She will,
0: she will pick that
3: young man right there, which is Dan the Astronaut, who is not a young man. Irony. So yep. then Bruce is the one left over, and I think this is the reason why they did it, because they wanted to do this little gimmick, because they were like, Bruce, you didn't get picked, and then Jeff does the whole setup with like, how would it feel if you went home after four days, and Bruce is like, ah, it, it, w- it, it would not be very good, <laughs> and and uh, Jeff says, well, you're, you're you're fine, you're not going anywhere, well, you're actually going to go to Exile Island, and what you're going to do is you're not going to go to Exile, or you're going to go to Exile Island, you're not going to compete in the next immunity challenge you're safe from it and then you're going to go to the tribal council of the losing tribe they're going to vote somebody out and then you'll join that tribe so it's almost like that tribe that
0: loses basically gets rid of a member and gets bruce bruce is the uh, yeah the consolation prize yes constipation prize as one might say constipation with bruce. Prize.
2: <laughs> but boy just watching that lamina tribe pick e- pick each other i mean i don't know about you but my ass fell asleep just watching <laughs> thinking about those people together I, my god oh.
0: Yeah. Again, for people who are not familiar with the season, I'll give you a quick uh, 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 recap, a cliff's notes on how to watch Exile Island. Only watch Kasaya. Don't <laughs> you will never give a crap about Lamina at any point. The rest of the season.
1: Yeah, you, we can just sum up Lamina now. They have a guy's alliance and they have trouble finding food. Yeah, and, and, Sally, eat, and Sally loses the, the spear, and that's and they eat beans. They eat beans and they get sick
0: yeah yeah that's
1: that's lamina over six episodes
3: the only lamina strategy session you're ever going to get is the fact that terry and dan as as has been established have an alliance and misty and sally have an alliance and then austin and nick are an alliance and it's all based on their starting tribes and ruth marie's just there she's not a (laughs) smasher
2: so she had to go
3: (laughs) and Ruth (laughs) ruth marie is just there and so basically what happens is that terry and dan very early go up to austin and nick and say alright, it's us four. And they go, cool. And then Misty and Sally come up and go, no, it's us four. And they go, cool? (laughs) But you're not Terry. So then it's it's one of these, it's like this Team Edward versus Team Jacob where like, ooh, Austin and Nick can go either way, but you know they're going to go with uh, Terry and Dan the whole time, so there's really not a whole lot of suspense or in- interesting things going on over there. I'm glad we talked about Lamina for the rest of the po- uh, podcast. Let's go to Kasai. <laughs> All right.
1: Say well, well, Dan does have the complexion of a vampire, so I think that a comparison makes a lot of sense. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the thing with Dan, okay, the great irony I always I wrote about on the Funny One Fifteen is that you know Dan is an astronaut; he flies close to the sun. You'd think he would be have a little more color in his skin when you go like. He's, got, he's probably the furthest away from the sun of any human being possible. He's got the palest skin, to the point that it's, it's weird to watch him. I'm like, because he's an astronaut. He's literally been closer to the sun than anybody else, yet he still looks like that. And I just thought that was the great Dan irony.
3: Sun tan does not work that way, but all right.
0: <clears throat> it does. Trust me, I've, worked all, I've done
3: so, all the math so, on this. So, so you're going to get on me for making an out-of-this-world joke, and now you're going to do a he flies
0: close to the sun and he can't get a tan? I was working on an Icarus reference, and I couldn't get it in there.
1: You put, you, took him in the sun, you put him in the sun? I don't know. Paul, say something about Gene. <laughs>
3: He's an astronaut, no, so she's... he
2: built wax wings and flew really, oh wait, that doesn't work. I'm aging over here like cheese, like me and Gene here. <laughs> okay. So anyway, we were glossing right
0: over the reward challenge here where they have to collect the six wooden snakes.
2: Yeah,
1: Exile Island has a weird assortment of challenges. And between this and, like, the fish chopping challenge that we'll get in a few episodes, the producers, I feel like, are kind of scrounging around for things to do. And so this is – they basically have to go through an obstacle course, and one person is collecting all these wooden snakes, uh, and they have to, you know, they go over some – some balance beams, they have to dig through a pit of leaves, which I'm sure Sari wasn't comfortable with, but basically it's just get through the obstacle course with your snakes, and the winner gets fishing gear, and a raft, and a spear that will exist for like 20 seconds.
0: Yeah. And again, there's really nothing more to say other than Lamina wins and blah blah. Okay, let's go over to Kasaya. (laughs)
3: Lamina (laughs) wins. I will say this, though, is that they pick for their snake wranglers, or the people that's going to go through the maze. Like, Lamina picks Nick, and you're like, ah, I guess that makes sense. He's this very large framed dude that Seems like he would go snakes. And Kasaya picks Courtney. And this (laughs) is my first... This is actually... I think Courtney is going to take a bit of a beating here on the uh, Survivor Historians podcast. But this is something I'm going to stick up for. When we talk about challenge beasts within Survivor Panama 12, Exile Island, Island of Exile, (laughs) Terry, of course, is always first billing. As in, Terry could be one of the biggest challenge beasts the game has ever seen. Surprisingly enough, though, Courtney is very competent in challenges. And so, even though they don't win this challenge, it's not necessarily because of anything that Courtney did. And Courtney is going to prove to be really good in challenges. Watch for that as you guys watch through these seasons.
1: This this is a surprisingly athletic cast. I mean... It's not talked about on the season, but you know, apparently Courtney, as you just brought up, Jay, is great in the water. She's also apparently like a, a medal-winning gymnast. Um, and Aris is a bask is a, was a college basketball player, and he played mm-hmm. basketball in Lithuania. And you know, Danielle is is a huge athlete as well. We obviously have Terry. Even Shane is like showing his prowess in challenges as well for being someone that doesn't look terribly athletic. For so for like, if you look at this cast on the whole, and especially a tribe like Kasaya, and you think like, all oh, these people are going to be trounced in in favor of lamina which has all these buff guys on it no they're able to surprisingly hold their own
0: yeah terry even says that later in the season he goes he, he says uh you know shane he's more athletic than he looks <laughs> so it is pointed out by the other pl- the that lamina's like these guys are actually pretty good we're going against all right, so we go back to Kasaya since we don't care about Lamina, and this is where Shane is so excited because he's with young people now. He didn't like being with those old the, the, the Boy Scout camp leaders like Dan and Terry. Now he gets to be with young people like Courtney and Danielle who he just will absolutely love being around.
2: Oh my God, this whole, like, this whole scene here where it's just like these young people kind of going like crazy and being annoying and then you get like Melinda and Sari like reacting. It's, it's hilarious. My favorite part of it all was it took me for a while to realize what exactly Courtney's saying in all this, but she's chanting Fuego at, I don't even know at what, but all of a sudden he just cuts to her going, Fuego, 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 and like, what the hell?
3: Fuego means fire. <laughs>
2: Oh no no I got it. Um but <laughs> so funny. So funny. Awesome. I'm yeah, glad I, we I would that. I would
1: say maybe in that moment, like when Sally and Danielle had that moment in episode one, I feel like the rest of the Kasai tribe has a moment where they realize maybe we should have left Courtney on Exile Island. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: which does her like 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 thing, like gangsta Hollywood, like she's like right like where the hills hurts right. She's like 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 right there. But
0: yeah, like you pointed out, like Life. is that basically we have young people on this tribe and then poor Sari and Melinda just sitting there with nothing to do, you knowing they're absolutely dead meat.
2: It's like and- it's like Melinda's favorite game. You know that game where you try to figure out what doesn't belong? I love that game.
1: <laughs> oh, I, thought, I thought her favorite game was 9 to 5.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so and this is where... Again, it seems like Shane has uh, an iconic scene to be important in the season in every one of these kind of cut scenes. But here he is again. This is where Shane makes what I like to call an ORG alliance, an online role-playing game, where the first four people that show up, that's our final four alliance. And that's basically what Shane does here. Me, you, Aris, or me, Shane, Aris, Courtney, Danielle, they're just walking down the beach. Shane says, you, we're the final four, done.
3: Let's just lock it up. Can we not have any drama about it? It's like, oh, Shane, you will have drama about it.
1: But I like how he also says, let's not have any drama about it. I'll swear on my son's life, and I swear if you betray me, I'll come find you and kill you. I'm serious.
0: (laughs) No drama, but I'm going to murder you. That is the definition (laughs) of drama, Shane. (gasps) Uh Let's see. So, uh... So yeah, so that's basically the big alliance, and that will carry the season the rest of the way, that four-person alliance right there. So uh, as much as I hate ORG alliances that's it it does work out somehow somehow they stay together
3: what's funny is that you're right mario it works out which is just hilarious in hindsight but not without its share of bitching along the way which (laughs) is really funny it's it's funny when people get these alliances that they feel they can't break or won't break almost like you know rupert and jenna lewis in survivor all stars where he's just like i'm very sorry i have an alliance with her and it's like then then don't but he can't and he won't break it and it's like in this this Kasai one they have even more motivation to like part and split and do but nope they're not going to they're going to stick together and they're just going to yell at each other the whole way
0: yeah and one thing i do want to point out just on a serious note is you know as dysfunctional as Kasaya is there's only one person that can hold them together the whole season, and this is one of those things. If you don't remember RS as being a particularly noteworthy winner, he's really good in this season at holding his alliance together. Nobody else could have done that. So it's one thing you might not really pay attention to him or notice until you go back and do a rewatch, and you say you notice how integral RS really is to the season. That he really does earn his win because that that tribe would have completely collapsed without him.
1: Yeah, we, we see even in, in the, later in this episode, ours is, ours is the, basically the lone person that convinces Shane not to quit. If Shane quits, his entire alliance that he just made goes down the tubes.
0: Yep. So I think the only other noteworthy thing that happens here is we go to Exile Island and we see Bruce practicing his kata.
1: Did Did you notice? So I know in Vanuatu we talked about how Chad unzipping uh, his pants into shorts. It was definitely a sign of the times, fashion-wise. I feel like we get another <laughs> sign here that it's, it was early you know early 2006 when this aired with both bruce and shane wearing live strong bracelets unironically on the island
0: <laughs> i
1: did not I did notice, notice that, the, yeah. i
3: noticed the live strong bracelet and I, I was like wow live strong <laughs> oh lance armstrong your fall will come
0: so anyway rather than look for the idol bruce practices his kata because apparently he has a uh, a big fight with the, uh, the Cobra Kai and the all Valley karate tournament in a couple of weeks.
3: <laughs> I like, I like the, the, the shot that they do and they, they put it in the previously on segment as well, where they've got Bruce, uh, you know, doing karate moves on the Island. And then they have a, especially intense scene where he kind of, you know, does a thrust to one side with and, and yells and has his eyes all wild. And they immediately pan to like the evening where like it lightnings as <laughs> in, you know, he's, he, he has summoned the lightning or something <laughs> along those lines. And it's like, Wow powerful.
0: (laughs) All right, so we go to Lamina now, and it's noteworthy because something interesting is about to happen in Lamina is Sally's about to lose this spear.
1: This is the Sean Cohen memorial scene, right? (laughs) Sean lost
0: my spear!
1: What's what's funny is that they have this Sometimes, like
3: you say, Mike, they left the open-ended thing with Misty and the uh, idol clue in the first episode. Sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll introduce something and then they don't pay it off later. But this is one of these immediate payoffs where they have the spear, they talk about it, and they're like, now don't lose it. And literally 10 seconds later, Sally
0: loses the spear. It's yeah. like, well, that didn't take long. <laughs> well, I love that she accidentally shoots the spear into the water and they immediately cut to a shot of the spear sinking. As if the camera was there underwater to catch this the whole time. Like, yeah, I'm sure yeah. that's not an insert shot.
2: Exactly. What, the best part about it all is that she, they're like out in the raft, She goes, I'm going to do a test shot with this thing. Like, oh, <laughs> let's do, the, let's, let's do a, a, a test with this when we're out in the middle of, you know, wherever, however deep out they were, instead of like, maybe I should do this in the shallow water right by the camp where I do a, a practice shot.
1: <laughs> She's not a spearer. <laughs> now I have this, like,
3: I have this thing of like she loses the spear but they didn't catch it, so then production hands her a second spear and says, Sally, now you have to lose this one so we can get the shot.
0: And really again, that's the last interesting thing in Lamina. So let's go to the challenge.
2: <laughs> Terry Terry is that, what's there to say?
1: I mean Terry Terry is one degree from going full Rupert. He just says he's very frustrated, but he doesn't actually go into the ocean. <laughs> you know, that's the so ocean. boring,
2: Mike. Mike, I remember everything. I don't even remember that. Let's move on. <laughs>
0: Oh, here we go. A temp fight. Temp fight. <laughs> All right. It, it It is
3: funny, though, because the lore of the Hawaiian sling that I think Rupert brought to the game where yeah, it seems like the sling is an easier way to catch fish than the the, than the fishing method, the fishing line that they got. I, I will admit that. But, you know, it's just really funny that they're trying to fish. They're not fishing successfully. And Terry just looks at the camera and says, I bet you we'd have like 100 pounds of fish by now if we had that spear. It's like. Possibly.
0: <laughs> you know, the Hawaiian sling is better at catching fish, but you know what else it's better at is being able to, to catapult it way down into the water and far away from you.
1: <laughs> yeah, they would have had about 100 pounds of fish if they had about 200 pounds of hatch. <laughs> I poked a fish, I caught a fish.
0: All right, we're going to the Episode 2 Immunity Challenge. This is where they have to transform <laughs> transport a giant zombie head to the beach. And I remember I wrote in my notes here, what the hell is the theme of this season? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Skullheads, giant snakes, zombies, what's going on here? It's Panama, Can you? Uh, it's the culture of Panama, Mario, can you show some respect? <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: I'm sure Mother Panama is not smiling on this podcast right now.
3: This challenge no. also took a lot of explanation from Jeff. He. It seemed like there was just a lot of narration on what to do, and it was literally just... Pull your fucking boat to the ocean, to the shore, and then put the skull on the, on the, on the body at the end. Yeah.
1: Well, it was like a combination of the pull the heavy thing on the bottom of the of the ocean uh, part from like the Palau mess box challenge, combined with the bail the water out of the boat challenge, which has been used a bunch of times, and then throw on a giant zombie head onto that, and that's a challenge <laughs> apparently.
0: So anyway, yes, zombie heads, the theme of Panama... All right. Uh, so anyway, I, I have actually literally no notes for this whole immunity challenge. I just wrote transform giant zombie heads, and then I wrote Lamina wins. So that's how, uh, how much of an impact it made on me.
3: Lamina wins. I mean, it was a very straightforward challenge, but a couple things that that you get it out of here. First of all, this is uh, this is almost the first time you really see it. I mean, I know that Terry crushed the amulet challenge in episode one but again that was more based on luck than anything else but you got to see this he smashed it yeah absolutely he's a smasher but also terry is terry is going to go on an incredible immunity challenge run here but even in these tribal challenges terry is down there at the bottom of the ocean dragging that anchor pretty much the whole time for lamina and i would say is one of the main reasons why lamina won that challenge
0: yeah, you know, Terry takes a lot of crap from the fan base. He's really never been that popular, especially with the internet crowd, but I don't think there's anything wrong with him. I think Terry's pretty cool. I mean, he's, he's a good leader. They get a lot done on his tribe when he's there. He's good in the challenges. He's really not that far removed from Tom Westman. So a, he, no, I, I disagree with that a lot. Well, later, later in the season he's just not good at, at the strategy. He doesn't really get how Survivor works, but like <laughs> in the tribal portion, he's fantastic.
3: <laughs> he's not good at Survivor, otherwise he would, <laughs> he'd win Survivor. Yes, I, I agree, but in this, in this tribal section in this tribal section, yes, Terry is, is very good as a leader of the tribe. I, I would want Terry on my tribe.
0: Alright, so Lamina wins, we go back to Kasaya, and sure enough Shane wants to quit again. <laughs> here we go again surprise surprise all right and now we have a uh confessional a famous confessional from sari which i'm not going to try to imitate because i can't do her squeaky voice but basically if someone wants to quit let him quit so yeah so that's the big dilemma here it's the uh what is her name the shauna mitchell memorial where someone wants to leave and they won't let him go
1: and this is a little bit of like uh, we got a, the prelude to this actually before the challenge when Jeff does the usual catch up between the tribes and Shane just puts out no BS by saying like we're not going to try to BS the other tribe physically we're wrecked which reason he should basically see physically I'm wrecked and I'm ready to leave this game unless we win the challenge so once they don't win the challenge he's like he wants a cigarette he wants his big sandwich and he wants to call his son and tell him it's the stupidest thing he's ever done
0: <laughs> yes and really again this to go back to RS being a very underrated player, basically Aris pulls Shane aside and talks him into staying, saying we need you, you know we're a four person alliance, you leave, we'll collapse you'll regret it if you leave, and so Aris really kind of saves the game for not only him, but I mean his entire alliance right here, that he talks Shane into staying, and basically seals Melinda's fate.
2: I mean, and I'm still like back and forth, like, who would have been the better character, like, Shane, Melinda Shane, Melinda, like, I'm not (laughs) sure if Aris did do us a favor I'm, I'm on the fence
0: Melinda could have been the next, the first Parvati.
1: <laughs> Everyone will say, Oh, who's going to be the next Melinda?
2: <laughs> Everyone on their CBS bio, which female contestant are you most like? Melinda. Oh, boy. She did that sexy pose. Remember the sexy pose, Mario? Yeah.
0: Uh, oh, I haven't forgot that for 15 years. <laughs> I do have to it. say
2: that
1: for, for as much as we as you talk up Aris being uh, bringing Shane and really keeping this alliance together, I don't he know if I like his. I don't know if I like his move by him saying, "Well, we're going to discuss things with openness and honesty." I'll start. I'm going to get rid of one of the two of you. Yeah, he pulls a Mike, Russell Hands here.
2: Mike, do you mean when he just went over and went boop? <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he had his I think own. That's, a, sexy that's pose. a more
2: accurate description. He just like dropped this bomb. Like he just went over the shoulder and like he didn't talk to anyone about it. And he just walked over and was like.
1: Boop. <laughs> yeah, he definitely dropped a bomb there. And, and, and I think it's that's what sort of sends Melinda into this emotional downward spiral where she just starts crying for the next 15 minutes on the show. And th- I was oh, going to say,
0: doesn't, doesn't Shane follow up on that by just basically telling everyone, oh, there's a four-person alliance and you guys aren't yeah. in <laughs> it? It yes. is. And,
3: and, and Courtney sort of flips out a little bit about it. Uh, two things I want to mention. One about Courtney. First of all, Courtney did really well in that immunity challenge as well. I know Terry pulled the uh, anchor across really, really well, but, like, Aris or Nick or somebody was down there, I think it was Nick again, trying to pull the anchor and couldn't, or Bobby couldn't, you know, and, and Courtney goes down the water and then starts manhandling the anchor, and it's like, well done, Courtney. Second of all, you're right, Aris makes I think a huge blunder here with uh, this sort of stuff, but in, in, in another sense, what Aris does well in this game is something that a lot of people can't do in the sense that RS can play very well from being ahead in this game, which we've talked about playing from behind, playing ahead. I think that in a lot of ways, when you are by yourself out there uh, near the end of the game, you really have to sort of generate things. But I think it's a lot easier in a lot of weird ways, but being in an alliance that sticks together, that is the majority alliance as Kasaya is going to be is presents its own problems. And some of the things that you don't necessarily do well sometimes is stuff like this, where you talk to the people on the bottom in very condescending ways and in ways that you don't have to. And I think Aris is guilty of some of that. But his alliance managing in uh, the managing of his, of, his, of his teammates is incredible, and I think second to none.
0: Yeah. Again, you don't have to be a flawless player to be a good player. He does, he does some things poorly, but the stuff that's important he does really well.
3: Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a game losing mistake he makes here, but definitely if you were trying to study Aris and and you know pick up tips on on you know what can I do if I want to play Survivor like Aris and you know maybe 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 not write this one down, maybe leave this one out.
0: So we lose Melinda, we lose the the bright shining center of the season, Melinda, who I had a fun time writing about on the Funny One Fifteen, if only because there's nothing to say about her. So we, we lose I was saying we lose Melinda, and we get Bruce, which is like the final piece of the crazy puzzle of Kasaya. It's like the, yeah, the puzzle is like finally he- complete now.
3: Yeah, Melinda was a little too normal. We, we needed Bruce to get in there, because Bruce is going to add just... A whole new wrinkle. Like I, I do. I forgot how just crazy Bruce was. <laughs> yeah. Going in there. I mean, going in the season. I'm like, ah, oh, Bruce, can't wait for, to talk about the medevac and all that sort of stuff. But I forgot how crazy Bruce was. So <laughs> this is going to be so fun. Also, how's Melinda above the Ashby line?
1: I, I, mm, I think she has. I mean, that sexy pose, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, well, I, I guess you're right there.
0: By the way, someone explain to Paul what the Ashby line is since he hasn't listened to a couple
1: years of years. Since he's stuck in the space-time podcast continuum?
2: (laughs) Yes. I'm assuming this is some way to measure compared against Ashley Ashby from Survivor Palau. Wow, Paul, you nailed it. That's crazy. What I teach my first graders is that even if you don't know what something means, you can infer by using context clues. So that's what I just did. Wow, you got douchey since you became a teacher that's my douchey teacher voice and you can't see the face i make with it right now but it's really douchey too and i did this the other day and this kid's like mr osson he's like why you why are you making a face like that you look weird
3: why, why is your face like danielle from survivor panama 12 exile island i just put on the different survivor characters all right anything else to say about melinda
0: before we leave
1: I think we've already said
0: more than enough about
3: Melinda. Yeah, (laughs) I
1: I would say of the pre-merge players, I'd probably put... Melinda is the one that I think is personally below the Ashby line. uh, Sexy pose aside.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's cut to episode three. This is where Bruce joins the Kasaya tribe, and in Bruce's own words, I was like a gift from God to them. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man, (laughs) this scene. So we start at night. It's raining. They have no water, and Bruce shows them how you can... Filter water through a shirt to clean it out. And then he admits. But. Yeah, he, gets, he gets admits it gets 90% of the bacteria out. And then Siri or Courtney points out there's still 10% of bacteria left, Briss.
1: But I love that, like, th- this is the thing. Bruce has, a, uh, the, one of the things I loved about Bruce the first time I saw him is that he has this crazy amount of experience. And I, it's, it's rare sometimes when we find these people that are inherently good at, like, surviving the elements. He's gone backpacking for so long. The fun thing about Bruce is that he lacks tact completely. Because as soon as he comes back, he's, it's not like him, he sh- a, a, a normal poster would ask, like, oh, do you have fire? Well, we should probably, let's, let's see if we can get water first, and then we'll focus on fire. Bruce is like, what? No water? What do you mean no water? Go get some... No, we, need, we need, here, get here, here get some t shirts. Here we go. Here's water. Great. Now we make fire. Do this. I'm gonna go build some rocks. <laughs> How's he gonna build a rock? It's Bruce. He's been backpacking for thirty <laughs> years. He can build a rock. Why are you asking
3: questions why are you asking questions, Mario Jesus?
0: I've been teaching a class on building rocks for thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> like
3: here's here's the thing though. It's I think it's one of those those secrets and survivor for the most part the water you can probably drink it without boiling it and you'll you'll more than likely be fine but of course people don't want to take any chances and they they're recommending them that they boil it because you know what if and all that sort of stuff but i think that for the most part bruce just showed up and says i have a lot of experience you could totally drink this water and it's fine and you know oh we put it through the t-shirt filtration system which 90% of the bacteria which could be true and could not be true maybe it is someone out there will probably correct me in an email which is totally fantastic I, I welcome that correction but by the, by the same token it, you know, it was nice for them just to have that confidence for Bruce to just come out and say yeah it's fine,
0: drink the water <laughs> I like the juxtaposition here where Bruce says uh, the tribe reacted to me with great joy then we immediately <laughs> cut to Shane saying I just want him to shut up <laughs> Ah uh, yes, I Kasaya, and this is just—we're just beginning the long march to glory that is Kasaya. It's always good to
3: you know have a confessional where you where your confessionals just basically like, boy, they're really glad that I'm there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I forgot how much Bruce is like coach, but he really kind of is in a way. He's the expert on everything. He's done everything already. Well, Bruce
3: is sort of a coach archetype. That was something I was going to talk about. Uh, Bruce and for and Shane, I think, sort of combine into this. Uh, thing uh, that we're going to see later. Shane being just the out-of-control uh, guy going through weird personal journey stuff that is just almost insane and Bruce just being the know-it-all like the Cliff Clavin almost <laughs> of of uh, of the tribe. Just, I know this. I know this. I know this. I'm building a Zen garden.
0: The only difference is that Coach could have told his solid ways to pass through his colon just by using his eyes. <laughs>
1: No coach coach didn't need to he, he didn't need any help passing anything through the Amazonians took whatever was left of his <laughs> digestive system out of him.
2: Yeah. Coach
1: kinda of started
0: the whole pooping
2: thing. When it comes to pooping, he's a smasher. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that made no sense, but it still worked.
2: <laughs> yeah, try All right, that, so- temp. Try that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's doing his douchey face again, watch out. <laughs> All right, so we cut to Lamina. And this is literally all I have in my notes. Lamina's still mad that Sally lost the spear. Lamina catches a puffer fish. That's literally all I have.
1: Bruce could probably get 90% of that poison out of the puffer fish. (laughs) (laughs) Just put a t-shirt on that bitch. That poison will come right out.
2: No, but it's, like, every time you go to Lamina, it's, like, I feel like it's the same thing, like, it's the same scene that's been going on for, like, four episodes, and you just, like, get a little chunk of it, because it just, it feels like it's the same thing again and again and again, like, you've never left Lamina.
3: (laughs) Right, (laughs) it's, like, Sally and Misty come up, and they're, like, so, Austin, you and Nick with us? And Austin's, like, yeah, I guess, and then he goes over to Dan and Terry, and they're, like, yeah, it's us four, right? And Austin's, like, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, Jay, you just made that way more interesting than what actually happened. So, <laughs> bravo, bravo. Well done, creative fiction. Well done, Jay Fisher.
0: I I, I am an actor. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the reward challenge, and this is one that's actually pretty fun. This is a, an exciting, one of the more exciting challenges of the season, where they launch those little wicker balls with a catapult or with a slingshot towards a balance beam, and people on the balance beam have to catch it as they jump into the water.
2: You yeah, know what the- sucks? You know what sucks? The two older women. You have Ruth Marie and you have Sari. Two chances to have two older women fall off of that thing into the water, potentially head first. Do either of them get up on there? No, they're the launchers. F this challenge.
0: <laughs> Paul just dropped the mic and left. <laughs>
2: I'll be ba- bring me back at the immunity challenge when we get to drag old women through the sand.
3: Look. <laughs> Paul Ruth Marie's not a smasher, but she's a launcher. I mean, I can't.
1: <laughs> so it's the role it she was born to play. It sucks. But this is, like this, this is the survivor version of that game you play as kids where you stand on the edge of the pool and someone throws a football and you have to jump in and catch it, basically, right? Pretty much. Although, usually uh,
0: the only difference is in this one, you have Bruce being a total psycho nutcase psyching himself up before the challenge. Did you notice, notice that? No, I didn't. Yeah, rewind it and watch this again. Watch as they're getting ready for the challenge, and Jeff is explaining it. They kind of show Bruce off to the side, just glaring. He's totally trying to psych himself up for this challenge. It's kind of funny the look he has on his face. Either that or he's blocked, one of the two. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so anyway, this is one of the challenges that Terry just owns everybody, and Terry's fantastic in this challenge. Make some diving yeah. catches.
1: Yeah, Great. I mean, I mean, it's basically it's Terry, Shane, and Aris that are basically competing in this challenge. Everyone else is literally just set direction.
0: Yeah, pretty much. And Lamina wins again. Although I'm underselling it, this really is a very exciting challenge. It's close right down to the last shot, and then Lamina wins at the end. I think, is it Terry that catches it? Probably. Yep, Yep. and uh, is it Ruth Marie that shoots it? Maybe. I'm going to give some credit to Ruth Marie. I I think it is her, and I think she does something significant here. Yay, Ruth Marie. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Lamina wins reward. And then, as part of their reward, they get to send someone back to ex- to Exile Island. And <laughs> one of the more heartless things in in the season, right after Bruce has said how he loves being on Kasaya, how it's great that he's there, they all get along. He's gotten so much done. Lamina's like, you know, fuck that, Bruce. You're going back to Exile Island.
3: Well, you know, in in a way, though, they talked about it. It's 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 and really, you see the reactions, which I think is funny. But as as Bruce is there, and you know, they have their little debrief before they do the challenge, and. Jeff talks about, you know, hey, how's it how's it being with Bruce on your tribe? And you know, they're just like, oh, he's such a positive influence. It's fantastic. And so it was like, oh, good, way to give ammo to the other tribe when they <laughs> get to send someone to Exile Island. But it's really funny because did you notice Dan like super heartbroken over this? <laughs> no.
1: Yeah, like, Dan's like, oh, I just feel yes. so bad.
3: <gasps> you know, like like they were like, Yes, yeah, send send Bruce. They're they're gonna crumble without him. Like they're like drive the nail in, yeah, Bruce. Send Bruce, and you could just see Dan like shaking his head, going, "Oh, come on, guys, you
2: can't. you can't." <laughs> which is which is remarkable that a skeleton can show emotion. I mean, <laughs> that's something interesting at Lamina. <laughs> yeah, the only
1: interesting thing at Lamina is a living skeleton. <laughs> Just to point out that we have lost our sponsorship
2: from NASA. NASA is no longer <laughs> sponsoring the Survivor historian. So hey, it's awesome that NASA had a skeleton do a spacewalk <laughs> however many times. Go NASA.
0: Wow. Paul got super douchey when he was away. I have to say, Germany has corrupted you, Paul.
2: Uh, what about Germany or Germany's past would corrupt me to make me a, a meaner person? <laughs> Oh, God. I, I,
1: just, I feel like there's something burning inside of me when you're talking about that.
2: <laughs> 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 wow.
0: Oh All right. <laughs> my God. Yeah, as an attempt to get less awkward, we're going to go to Shane's <laughs> thinking seat scene. <laughs> so, this, yes, this we go down to Kasaya, and this is Shane on his thinking seat.
3: What I love about Shane is, is, is the outbursts that he has. Like, sometimes they're, like, directed at people, you know, when he's just like, and if you do this, I will kill you. I will come to your house and kill you. But a lot of times he will just have outbursts where he just yells. And it's not even angry yelling. Like, I am super pissed off. He just, he just it's, it's almost like his voice needs to get loud
0: at some point. Well, yeah, some of this this scene, the thinking seat scene, it looks like he and Courtney are kind of joking around, actually. yeah, It doesn't actually look like a real argument.
1: No, that's exactly what it is. And then there's just one second, everyone's laughing, and then Shane just turns completely aggro and just starts screaming like, It's my suit! I picked it! And everyone just sort of turns around, slowly turns around to look at him, and and Aris puts it best when he's like, I'm in an alliance with three (laughs) nutballs. And this is a very indicative scene towards at least one of them being that. Like, yes. no
3: one's really even throwing up a fit. Like, they're just like, all right, man, that's, that's, that's your thing. And he's just like, it's my seat. You can't have it. Get your own. And it was like, did, do you have trouble, like, you know, modulating the, the volume of your voice? Like, did it just go on, on to 11 there and you didn't know? It's just very weird. But at the same time, it's Shane. It's Kasaya
1: well 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 since the since the stump is a dead tree, I think Courtney was going to at some point try to roll it into the ocean <laughs> put
0: a heart around it and, yeah. <laughs> How pissed must Courtney have been that Bruce didn't die right there during his medevac because she could have drawn such a big heart around him? <gasps>
1: oh, that would have been one of the most <laughs> offensive survivor images. Would be uh, to Bruce's dead body with a heart drawn around him, yeah, with
3: a little Courtney's pine cone d- put at the at the little top of it. There, oh, Courtney, doing at that Goka point, next she would have
2: she would have had her fire toys at that point, point, so then she could have danced <laughs> around with her fire toys <laughs> and singing. Stop! I'm dying. Stop. stop. <laughs> a beautiful <laughs> image.
0: <laughs> all right so in there we have a Sari a great quote from Suri here where she points out again she's kind of the voice of the audience she speaks what we think and she says she's watching Shane and Courtney fight again and Suri's like these are the people you choose to align with how stupid is that so I do again, I do, do want
3: to I want to do a shout out because the last Kasaya tribal council that was Suri's uh, uh, tribal council was it here where she talks about you know for all of you at, uh, watching at home stay at home that, oh, was that was the first the fir- episode. That was the, first, that was the yeah. first one. Oh, it was the first one. That's so good, by the way. That's such a yeah. fun thing to say.
0: Saria so invented her own archetype. We'll just say that. Yeah, oh well, yeah. All right, and now we have... I have another fight from Shane and Courtney coming up where they're about to have another fight over putting sticks in the fire. This is the Karen Grodel <laughs> memorial flashback You fight.
1: had to invoke her name, didn't
0: you, Mario? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, someone who explained to Paul why, why that's significant. Paul, you missed a lot. Karen is Mike's gene
2: oh okay
0: yeah we had a, a lot of t- a lot of fun making fun of karen and tom and all the fights over someone putting a stick in the fire when they weren't supposed to mostly involving karen
2: so yeah, yes she can't, and- she can't compete with gene though because gene's uh in the game of life she's the winner so i don't know what that makes <laughs> Karen. But, uh. smart. smart
0: all right so yeah so we have another fight with Shannon and courtney and and, and now uh Shane tells us, you know, I made a promise on my son's life that I would stick with Courtney, and now he's in turmoil because this is a big deal. He's made a he promise that he can't break.
1: Yeah, I do love that. If there's one thing you'll get from Shane is that Shane has no filter, so he is going to soliloquila or soliloquize just his inner anguish and turmoil about how he has to be. He has to be in this alliance because he swore on his son's life. Yes,
3: I, I, I want to like cut to you know. After the season's done, and Shane is at the couch watching the season with his son, and son just turns and says, Dad, you really put my life on the line quite a bit this season. (laughs) I'm just saying. Over Courtney, Dad?
1: Seriously? (laughs) And then Twilight's son just sits next to him and says, like, join the club.
0: Yeah. (laughs) All right, so, and then we we have to go cut for our obligatory little 30-second Lamina scene. So we go over there, and Sally and Misty are flirting Uh, with Nick, and Misty, Misty, I know, never mind. Fuck it. All right, so we go to the immunity challenge. This is where they, <laughs> this is where they dig in the sand for a bag, and they have to run back and uh, get to their mat with the bag, and it's very physical. And this is the, the Bob Dog challenge, as I like to call it. This is one of the. This is the a monumental challenge.
2: Yeah. yeah. This is a what monumental be- challenge, especially for you know Jay saying about how we get all these different character types from this season. Like we get like a challenge like this that we will see many more times, and um, I mean we get some of it in Palau. Uh, with the the getting physical you know, nature of challenges, but um, you know this added element of digging in the sand and throwing people around and stuff is, is one that we all will yeah. see again. And um, t- I mean Ruth Marie, older <laughs> woman, throwing yeah, I was around, drug around. Oh, it is just like it is. In the words of Misty, it is orgasmic and there's no rash about it. Wow.
1: I mean, th- I mean, yeah. It's it's this physical altercation, but it's also funny. I would call this one of the funniest Survivor challenges to date, outside of like the mixer challenges from Amazon and All Stars. Just because, I mean, we'll talk about it, but you have like sit on her sari. You have Aris using his like weird yoga techniques to loosen somebody's leg. You have the the, the GIF that was started on Survivor Sucks of Aris pulling something out of Nick's ass, A uh, little <laughs> camera trick, and you have this ending where Bob Dog just just manhandles Ruth Marie to win the challenge at the very last second for Kasaya.
0: Yeah, and again, the, again, this is one they did in in Heroes versus Villains ended with with uh sugar ganger top pulled off by Sandra. It's just whenever they do this challenge, it's always a good TV. So I, I'm it's. I think this is the f- the first one they really did it where it was exactly this format. Correct in Exile Island, mm-hmm. Panama, yeah. season twelve, uh, shrunken head zombies. Yes,
2: <laughs> yes. All right,
0: so let's go through the rounds here. Let's just kind of summarize for people who haven't watched it. Where round one was two women versus two
3: women, and I believe it was uh, Sari and Danielle hmm Uh against
0: uh
2: Misty oh, and somebody.
1: And Misty? Sally and Misty? Yeah, Sally Sally and Misty and the yeah. socks.
0: And basically Sari just knocks the shit out of everybody. <laughs> oh,
2: that's awesome. That one that, that one <laughs> shot where they're like like your Sally just boom just knocks her out. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Alright, so yeah, Sari wins the first round for
0: Kasaya. The second one is kind of interesting because, as much as people remember this as being the Bob Dog dominates challenge, Terry actually kicks the ever-loving crap out of Bobby Mason here. Terry locks yeah. him up into like a, a, a cradle, and Bobby can't get out of it. And basically, Bobby's negated for the entire round as Lamina wins.
1: Yeah, and then it's Nick against Bruce. <laughs> yeah. it's,
3: it's Nick against Bruce, and Nick. You know, this this is one of the one of the cleaner wins of the whole thing because Nick actually pulls the bag free and just runs to the runs to the mat like most of the. Most of the victories, it was they were tussling all the way, and then someone drags the whole pile over to their mat and touches the mat. But this one, Nick actually just gets the bag and, well... But Bruce goes for, like, the tackle both times. I mean, this is a physical challenge, but they noted that, like, going down to the pit where they're digging for the bag, Bruce attempts to tackle both the guys on the other team, and he fails. And then Nick gets the bag, and then Bruce, instead of, like, trying to just tackle him on the spot... You can see he like lets up because he's going to go for some like flying ankle tackle, which he misses again. And you're like, Bruce, buddy, not
0: going to work. <laughs> I've taught flying ankle tackles for 30 years. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean, again, I just wanted to point out that as much flack as people give Terry, he completely owns Bob Dog here, and nobody owns Bob Dog, so it's pretty cool. All right, uh, round three. This is one I just have Austin bullies Shane and wins the round for Lamina.
1: Yeah, basically. It's, it's Shane, Shane, Courtney, Aris versus Austin, Ruth, Marie, and Dan. And Shane and Dan are kind of out of it at the start, and so it's, bas- it's basically like like Aris gets the bag and tosses it to Shane, but then Austin tackles him, and then Aris, Austin just drags Shane over to the mat and wins it for Lamina.
0: Okay, so round four, the next one is where Aris wins by pinching someone in the leg and doing his little yoga move, which I don't remember yoga having any offensive moves, but okay.
2: This is where Misty's the choker, right?
0: Yeah, Misty's choking somebody.
1: And somebody's stepping on Nick, I think it is. It's just
0: a big scrum. Yeah.
1: All right, so now we get to the
0: final round. This is the one that everyone remembers. This is Bobby and Danielle against Ruth Marie and Terry. And this is the one where somehow Bobby gets the better of Terry this time, after Terry got him in the second round. This one, Bobby takes care of Terry. Terry gives, gives the bag to Ruth Marie. Ruth Marie's running to the end, and Bobby's running after her. And Bobby is a good 20 25 years younger than Ruth Marie and literally about three times her size. So it's one of those things. I'm going to win. I just have to try to do it without doing as with doing as little damage to this poor little woman as possible.
3: I wonder what happened to Terry ultimately cuz you say Bobby owns Terry, but he he effectively doesn't. Like they they tie each other up again through mm-hmm. most of this fight. And then Terry actually wrestles free from Bobby and and Terry has the bag, but then Bobby sort of tackles Terry, and Terry's, you know, trying to get the handoff to Ruth Marie, and Bobby wrestles free from Terry, and then Danielle flies on to Terry. Yeah. And Danielle, which, which, I think, which, was
0: more important than, than you think she was in this one. Right, it, and that's the thing is
3: that, you know, the question is, what happened to Terry at that point? Like, did he just hand the, the, the bag off to Ruth Marie and just sort of say, well, that's it, and, you know went with it or did danielle just i mean because danielle basically went for terry did she actually tie terry up something that bobby couldn't do in in some weird way or 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 what was going on there but terry was out of it because we have this really funny scene the, the iconic scene of ruth marie running for her mat and then bobby dragging her over to his but it's like you would think that if terry were free he'd run and try to put a stop to that right
0: yeah, it could just be one of those things where the round might have lasted like 15 minutes and maybe Terry was exhausted and just couldn't maybe run. Maybe he was exhausted and couldn't run, yeah. That's, well, that's and, if, more
2: that. and if the, you know, the Skull on Exile Island was inspired by Dan's head, um, I think the zombies from from the season were inspired by Ruth Marie's face <laughs> as she's running towards <laughs> hey, the end. come
1: on, be that's nice. An, that's another popular Survivor <laughs> Sucks gif is, Ruth I'm Marie, trying what, are you, what are you running from? <laughs>
2: yes. I'm trying to make people
0: remember her here, Mario, come on. She reminds me of Tina, okay? Let's not badmouth Ruth Marie.
3: Yeah, but unlike Tina, I mean, here's the thing. I also, yeah, I said at the start that I think that most of the people that go pre-merge pretty much were the right people to go. I mean, Ruth Marie has had like two confessionals. And and you could say, hey, uneven editing from Survivor. But I mean, her one confessional was, Dan talked to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, she's not good TV, which is, it's one of those things like after Ruth Marie gets voted out, there's a couple people saying, I really miss Ruth Marie. She added a lot to this tribe, but they never actually showed that during the episodes, and she's really not good at confessionals. So, just she really is very forgettable. She may be more forgettable than, than Melinda, and that's hard to do.
1: And when, you, it's, when it's, you... No, go, oh, go ahead, Paul. Uh, I was going to say, if, if you add nothing to a tribe that adds nothing to the show, I think that <laughs> makes you the worst of the worst.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I think it's another you know just example of someone who just you know didn't show up well on the show because even in her interview exit um exit press and whatnot she's perfectly fine and engaging and funny and 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 just fine but just some people they don't bring it when they're out on the island
0: yeah and i know they said she had a very hard time she was struggling out there so maybe she was just worn down by the elements and just never really got into it but again to go back to the challenge i always have some sympathy here for bobby like he knows he's going to obliterate Ruth Marie at the end. There's no way she's going to get to that mat, but he has to brainstorm a way to do it without actually hurting her and like losing all his stock in a social game that he just blasted this older woman. So I have to give him some credit for being creative by just picking her up by the shirt slash sports bra and dragging her over to the mat. That's the, the least damage he could have done to her. So congratulations to the almighty Bob Dog stuff.
1: Yeah, and this uh, is—so Kasaya wins, and this is going to be the start of their pre-merge winning streak, which will be stopped briefly for a few challenges, but I think they go, like, for four in a row here for the Mm -hmm. next, like, three episodes, which is, again, considering what we've seen of Kasaya the past two episodes is (laughs) mind-boggling. It is.
0: It's just one of the great underdog stories of Survivor, and it's funny, the next season— uh, Cook Islands gets all this credit for being a fantastic underdog story, but if you want my opinion, I think this is the underdog story, that Kasaya had no business winning this game if they did. It's just a great underdog thing against people like Terry, who's fantastic, but somehow Kasaya just keeps winning, and it all starts right here with Bob Dog, who, again, a lot of people forget was a, was even in this season at all, but he has some big moments here. Yeah, one
3: of Bob's big, big, big moments, dragging yeah. Ruth Marie over, and then, and, then the, and then the celebration
0: afterwards, it's good. Yeah, that's no, a good moment, and then we go to Lamina where we have to vote somebody out, and again, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be Ruth want? Marie or Misty.
1: Yeah, and it ends up being Misty yeah. because the guys want to, because I guess she's en- engineer smart, according to Terry. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, this is where the
1: all the fantastic buildup
0: of the, yeah, I guess I'm kind of in your alliance, Sally. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of in your alliance, Terry. This is where the, the payoff for that great storyline comes out where Misty, is they, the young guys turn on Misty and Sally, and Misty is voted out. Oh, no, Bella chose Edward Cullen. Who would have guessed? Oh, wait, everyone. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, the only interesting thing about it off is you know, this is obviously one of the first times that they're, they have this type of hidden immunity idol. So you actually have Jeff say, you know, Missy, that's enough votes. Like, you know, bring me your torch, river unless you found the hidden immunity idol. And she, like, stands up and says, no, I didn't. And so I remember back at this time, it was not, like, common knowledge. Could you give the immunity idol to someone else? Would that even be possible? So because she had spent time in Exile Island, she was directly asked, like, did you find the idol?
1: Yeah, and it's weird because in the modern vernacular, we're totally used now to Jeff saying, if anyone has the hidden immunity idol and you want to play, now would be the time to do so. He says that every tribal council now. This time he he has to explain, like, even before the vote, like, okay, guys, here's what happened. Missy's the only one of you who's gone to Exile Island so far, so there's a chance she may play the idol, just so you remember and you're not confused. So it's awkward looking back on that now.
3: It is. Um, and, and my eulogy of, of Misty on her way out is, yeah, Misty was a dud here, but production really liked Misty or the idea of Misty. I do know this, that you know people have said that Jeff Probst was very high on Misty and thought that she could you know go all the way and win the game. And basically because, and I'm just going to say it now, if Misty does not exist, Parvati does not exist in this yeah. game.
0: I was totally going to say that. I think they wanted her to be the first parvity. She had a lot of parvity in her. And Misty, yeah. I have to say, over the years has been a trendy pick when people talk about second chances, who should come back and play again, who was underrated. Misty has always been a very trendy pick for that. Yeah, I think people have seen that too, that you know, she could have been parvity if she'd had a couple lucky breaks along the way. So she's, been a, she's gotten a fair amount of attention over the years for one of these players that probably should have gotten farther and just got unlucky.
3: Yeah, I mean, she did say, I mean, she in, in one of the boring scenes that we've told you to skip, I mean, I, I promise you, if you skipped them, great, awesome. And I will just tell you that she did try to use the whole, I'm going to flirt with the guys and do some back massages and sort of, you know, try to use the feminine wiles to go further in the game. Now, I'm not saying that that's all of party, but it's it's the fact that she's trying to just use uh, a little bit of magnetism to, to kind of go further in the game and then, you know, actually just use your smarts to undercut everyone. Yeah. And she has the 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 she has the, the tools to do that, but she doesn't do it, obviously, because everything's sort of locked in. But I think it was one of those things where they really wanted that archetype of a character to be there, and Misty didn't work out, but they were going to try it again. So they're going to try it again with Parvati. And Parvati doesn't do super well in Cook Islands with it. And then they were like, well, but Parvati had something, and I, I think that it was... There was a lot of stuff that production saw that maybe didn't translate towards the TV, so then they bring her back again. Eventually, it, it, it all works out for everybody involved. But that's a, an archetype of a character that Jeff probes in production really, really wanted to succeed. And Misty was the first, sort of.
0: And let's point out that they do look very similar.
1: Except for the rash.
0: Yeah, except for the, pa- the nasty Parvety rash. has
1: a rash in a different place.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, we're not going to. We love Parvati. Anyway, one thing I wanted to point out is, Jay, I think that was a fantastic point you just made, although just remember their professions, that, you know, Parvati is a foxy boxer at the time, so it makes sense she'd be flirting with guys. Then you think of Missy, who is a missile engineer, which I think is even funnier. Are
3: we still
2: talking about Lamina?
0: Yeah,
3: I'm
1: sorry, Paul. Wake up.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We're done. I swear I'm done. That's it.
1: Maybe not so done, because doesn't Lamina start off episode four now, too? (laughs)
0: Uh, I believe they. Yeah, they do. Let's go to okay. We're in episode four because we got some. We got some Casa de Charmin. Casa de Charmin. <laughs> what a thing!
3: Anyway, uh, so how how does this episode start out again?
1: Well, we'll skip we'll skip the whole Sally is the odd woman out thing. I guess the more the most important scene we can take from Lamina here uh, is another uh, Dan thing, which is that Dan makes his final five deal with Ruth Marie, uh, which will come into play. Like, later it'll come to pay off later on this episode but it's something very interesting and not a lot of people i think remember what dan did in terms of scheming on exile island but he's he's showing a little bit of game here in terms of bringing ruth marie into the fold of his all-guy alliance
2: not bad for a corpse <laughs> not bad for a corpse
3: and It's funny because I guess when you think about it, they're talking about, well, if, we, if, if for some reason we get to the merge and it's 5-5, five, five, we need five people on our side. So uh, the math works out. It's just very jarring for the fact that they keep talking about the four and they've got their four. And the, So the first couple of episodes, these boring Lamina scenes, they keep talking about how they, they've got their four. And then all of a sudden Dan's like, well, I was thinking about our fifth. And I was thinking that it would be Ruth Marie and I was like, wait a minute, fifth? What?
1: Yeah, it's weird that the. the, I mean, we saw it in episode one with with Sarie trying to make the pitch of, like, oh, yeah, you want to get rid of Tina because at the merge, she'll be a powerhouse. And Dan's starting to really make the pitch about the merge in episode four, which is, you know, a good week before the merge happens. A lot of these people. Are really playing for the late game, like at day one. And we've seen that to middling effects across the seasons of Survivor. It interests me when people do so, so early on, and how it sometimes pays off. But as we see in the case with Dan, it's going to not pay off within the, the next three day cycle.
3: I think we lost Mario.
2: Oh, no. Oh, it's I fine. thought just finally he's been quiet.
3: Oh, boy. Ooh. I'm marking the time here for Tim. Uh...
1: Yeah, I know. I've been going in and out as well. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, just that
0: was weird. I just dropped the whole call. Just dropped on me. Everybody was gone.
3: Yeah, uh, we we talked a little bit about Dan and and trying to get bring Ruth Marie in. So we're good there. So if you want to just continue with the segment, say
0: se- segment. Okay. Um. Let's see. <clears throat> okay, I'll just uh go into the fight that they're about to have over work effort. Work effort. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, so we uh, go back to Kasaya, and hey, guess what? We're about to have another fight. This time, the, the Kasaya men are out hunting for food, and they come back, and they see, instead of working or building the fire or doing something important, Courtney is over doing yoga on the beach. And here comes another fight.
2: So so That's a no word- I was just going to say before we get in and discuss this fight more. I remember being so distracted by this scene because they're lying. I think it's Danielle's lying in the the shelter with Bob dog. I'm like, what are those like those blankets they have? Or like, what is that? I was so distracted. Kind of find out it's the towel that they're going to win a little bit later on in the challenge that was totally spoiled for me. But anyway, yeah, the fight.
0: Oh, didn't realize that.
2: This is That's- why you brought me back. Because did the temp bring it up? Uh, No. We didn't actually
0: bring you back. You brought yourself back.
2: Well, aren't you glad oh, I'm back? This is why I brought myself back. <laughs> this is why I stepped in. Paul,
0: Paul's like a gift from heaven.
2: <laughs> That's also, it's Right.
3: An, it's an inordinate amount of snails that are being eaten this season. I must <laughs> put it out. Yeah.
0: And did you think Courtney draws a little heart around each snail before she eats it?
1: Yeah, that before that, they roll down, well down
2: her throat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright, so yeah, so this is the big fight where it's Aris and Shane come back and they just go off on Daniel and Courtney for not doing as much work as everybody else.
1: Yeah, and he I basically... Love- go ahead, Jay. No, no, you go. I was just going to say I just love how... I love Courtney, Courtney's Courtney-esque response of where Aris brings up the situation of like, hey, if you vote off me, Shane, and Bruce, if you would you fall asleep and the fire would get out? And Courtney just responds like, that's a stupid question. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: So anyway, as, as Kasaya is going at it for the 15th time in the last three episodes, off to the side you see Sari just laughing because she tells us, you know, I was supposed to be next after Melinda, and they just kind of forgot about me now. So Sari's like, I'm just going to sit back and let them go at it, and I'm just basically going to have no drama. She's like, it's constant drama around here. I love it, love it, love it, love it. And again, she's, we're going to see the mindset of Sari here, why she's so dangerous, because you forget about her, and she can just stir up trouble around her.
3: But I will say... To the to the benefit of all of us, because we got so much more of Suri, of it's a good thing that Kasaya did go on a winning streak. Because if they didn't, I think she'd be in trouble. I, I agree, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but something that... I love the inherent... This is a human thing, and it happens here, where they attack Danielle. Because what happens is they want to move the fire pit. So Aris is talking about how like he does things, Shane does things... And, and that's how it goes. And Sari's a workhorse. But then Danielle and the, the other people don't really do things. And so what's funny is that they move the fire pit out and then Sari is starting to dig the hole with the shuffle. And then they get into this huge argument and Danielle's just like, screw you guys. I work. I work just as hard as you do. And I love that human reaction where when someone accuses you of not working, you suddenly like have like five minutes of just intense work outburst. <laughs> Which is what Danielle does here, because like she's stopping and arguing with everyone, but then finally, you know, they they both end up mad at each other because you know no resolution is met. Just you know, Shane and Aris are like, "You don't work," and Danielle's like, "Screw you, I work." But then she like takes the, sh- the shovel from Cerie and like furiously like takes two or three digs at the hole, <laughs> and then throws the shovel away. And you're yeah. like, "Well, there it was. There was that outburst.
0: <laughs> That'll teach him. <'em. laughs> I can work. I'm working <laughs> right way. now." I was going to say about the, the opening credits missing from episode two, how as Survivor you're expecting certain things to be in every season, and it, it kind of bums you out when it's not there. Well, we're about to get a very common element in all early Survivor seasons, the lazy black man edit. This is where they show Bobby being lazy, and then five minutes later we'll show him not being able to swim during the challenge. So it's going to be the double whammy of the lazy black man who can't swim edit, which I know Bobby is very thrilled that he got. Just in time for Cook Islands. <laughs> Just in time for Cook Islands, but yeah, it's one of the classic survivor elements that 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 the fan base have always has always revered. Speaking of which, we're going to go right into the reward challenge here. This is the uh, the floating puzzle pieces where they swim out and get the puzzle piece and they have to match them all up.
3: What I love about this challenge more than anything else, and and, and tell me if you agree with me with this with this or not, but. As the challenge is going, it seems like Jeff is praising Lamina for the fact that, like, they seem to be keeping calm. They have a steady lead. He praises Sally because Sally sort of figures out, because the whole trick with this puzzle is you have to unclip a gigantic triangular puzzle piece and put it into this board. But you have to, like, get the piece in and muscle it in, and these pieces are really heavy. But Sally does the thing where she puts part of it up and then goes inside and sort of uses her legs and, you know, just the pulling, rowing movement of, like, pulling the piece in. And that sort of sets everyone up for success later. And, you know, it seems like he's praising Lamina, praising Lamina. Lamina's a little ahead. He's praising Lamina. Kasaya wins.
1: Yeah. Well, and, I, and I love that he says, like, yeah, because he says, like, Lamina putting Dan and Sally on the puzzle. Kasaya is just kind of doing their own thing. It doesn't really matter. But, oh, I, oh, I guess they won? All right. Kasaya wins.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's clear. I mean, clear from the start that Probes favors Lamina. Lamina's got all the types of players he likes.
2: Yeah, I can't agree with him on that one, but more power (laughs) to you, Jeff. (laughs) Uh, The first time and last time Jeff Probst is ever wrong.
0: Yes. So anyway, yes, Kasaya wins. They get the puzzle, despite Bobby being shown not being able to swim. Uh, So yeah, then we... uh, This is the first time that a member of Lamina is going to be sent to Exile Island. And out of uh, retribution for... For Lamina sending Bruce last time, well, is going to do the same thing. We're going to send your leader. So they send Terry to suffer on Exile Island. And this is what I love. We immediately see Shane laughing at Terry. <laughs> Classic Shane.
3: He's laughing and, uh, at Terry. And then, and then he also has a like, little confessional before. And he's like, I bet you Terry's miserable out there.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, And Kasaya wins the spoiler towel, as Paul alluded to earlier, which is a part of this general bathroom shower set provided by Charmin.
0: Casa de Charmin, as Jeff
1: pronounces it. It's the Casa Casa de Charmin, the Casa with de the Char- sign and everything.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, like he says, the Casa de Charmin will be delivered to you. And I'm like, oh, Jeff, you trickster. What a fun thing you just said. And then it comes and it literally says Casa de Charmin on it. <laughs> and,
0: you know, I always like Survivor when it's cheesy and corny. So I got to oh, give, yeah. give them credit. That's, oh yeah, I messed up like that.
3: So, anyway, there's a lot of things to talk about here. Uh, Do we want to talk about Exile, Terry, or do we want to talk about Kasaya and the Casa de Charmin?
0: We can Uh, talk about Lamina. Neither Lamina. (laughs) (laughs) I could say we could summarize Terry on Exile in about 20 seconds, so you can feel free. All
2: right.
1: (laughs) This doesn't belong in the Panamanian jungle. (laughs) Wait, what's his quote? He's got something in there. Fat, fat freaking city. Yeah. Fat freaking city. Wow. So,
0: yes, Terry Terry finds the idol in case you've never seen the season before.
2: But even back then, oh, my gosh, the fourth episode, the idol has already been found. Oh, my God, this happened fast.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. It happened fast, but, you know, that, that idol was, I mean, that was freaking hidden. Like, it was buried a couple feet under the ground in a box. Like, well done.
1: Yeah, no, they had to work, yeah. Though so I think Terry benefited a lot more from Sally in a variety of ways, but the most being that he got to read the day one clue and he saw that why has now been put in quotations. So it's <laughs> not like he had to memorize, he had to listen to Jeff Propes and then just try to figure out what Jeff is hinting towards.
3: Well, I wonder, they didn't show, because when Bruce went to Exile Island for the next couple of times, they they showed him like over where that skull is, They they had the just the map and the and the clue on there, did, did did they have it written the first day for Misty, or did they literally just leave her with nothing?
0: I bet they had it written. I'm guessing they all got the same clue.
2: I think, but no, I think with Misty they they didn't, because you already got the clue, and so I think probably with Bruce then it was written down, because then it had the recap saying the clue from the we, first week, and then it was mm. like Jeff Ropes. Yeah, because like,
1: none of, cause none of them were and- there for... None of them were there for the first clue besides Misty. Jeff gave that information to her after everybody left, so yeah. it would be unfair for them to, for Mist, only Misty to get that one piece of information for the rest of the game.
0: No, that's true. That's a good point. All right, so let's go talk about Casa de Charmin.
3: What I love is that you know, there's salient points on both ends because the, the Casa de Charmin comes, and it, it comes with the, the soap and the, and the towels and the loofah and all that other sort of stuff, but they have this outhouse... I mean, it's true outhouse. It's got like the moon-shaped uh, little window thing into the door and all that sort of stuff. But then uh, Aris right away just says, all right, let's talk about usage. I say we store firewood in it. It seems like a decent point. But then uh, Bob Dog says, no, I'm going to take a dump.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go break in the dumpster. I got a deuce to drop.
1: Dro- deuce to drop. That is, That is – I've only heard the term drop a deuce in high school – and on Survivor 12 Panama Exile Island. Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's. And Bob, very
1: unapologetic as always, he goes,
0: I'm going to go in here and take a dump before you start storing wood in the toilet. <laughs> like, he just doesn't. He has no subtext to him whatsoever. He's just said, like, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to do this. I love Daniel just got yeah. Danielle yeah, yes. yeah, her, her one horrified
1: face.
2: <laughs> our, our RBF. <laughs> he's not a gentleman. I can't stand the fact that he's not a gentleman.
3: What I love is that she says also some line in there like she's just like, Woody, he's gonna go to the bath, we store our wood in there. And it's like you haven't stored anything in there. Just <laughs> you, to- you just said, said that- you
2: were going to store your wood in there. She said the towels were in there too. <laughs> as and
1: then as if he's, he's
2: going and- to defecate all over the towels. <laughs> well she's
1: she's well she's lame with that towel later, so clearly <laughs> right. she, she decided to make up for that.
0: <laughs> I wonder what her definition of a gentleman is. Bobby now, John. I mean yeah. I mean if he said please, can I please go in there and poop where you store the towels? Would that make him a gentleman? Can I please
2: can I please go number 2. Well,
0: sir,
1: <laughs> I believe I have
0: to go to the bathroom. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, Bobby's not a gentleman because he poops.
1: Well, it also doesn't help that when he comes out he's like, "Oh, I feel 10 pounds lighter after that one." Like maybe gentlemen don't exactly talk about what size shit they give. <laughs>
3: All right. How much how much how much jealousy did Bruce have when Bobby came out of there? (laughs) He was like,
2: he was green with envy.
0: (laughs) That poop would be a gift from God. All right, so yeah, so then we got cut to Terry. Terry finds the hidden talisman. Remember, it's the talisman at this point still, which was ironically also what they called the immunity necklace back in season one in Borneo. So I guess any time they introduce a new thing into the season, it's the talisman, and then it will change to the idol later.
3: Which is a shrunken head. Go figure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, of course. All right, so we go back to Kasaya. Look, it's going to be another fight where (laughs) Shane gives the quote, Danielle, why do you have such an aversion to working?
1: (laughs) I just I love these Shane moments because they'll just be having a normal conversation, and normally any normal or passive or passive aggressive person will like they won't say anything. They'll just internalize the comment. But Shane always will say something, whether it's this or like in the next episode, he's talking with Corny, and he's like, he just he's like, no, you know, I'm I'm just I'm just trying to think out loud. You have to stop sniping at me. Like okay. Shane will not internalize any sort of com- com- comments that he has towards these people, and, well, and it's com- like
2: it's he says it, and then she's like, "What?" And then you expect to be like, "Oh no, nothing." And he goes, "An aversion to
0: working." <laughs> like Paul, enunciates, Paul. Paul, Paul what do you what do you say? What are you babbling about,
1: Paul? <laughs> uh, and poor Porcari. I love again. Sari is a fantastic narrator here. Where she Shane asks her like again, perfect editing. She answers like, well, Suri, what do you think? And it cuts to immediately three be like, oh, man, I should have just, just walked away. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 that should have been my cue to leave." But instead, she tries to play off the political answer of like, well, Danielle does not work as hard as some other people on the tribe.
3: Yes. But she does work some.
1: Yeah.
0: Speaking of a wishy-washy answer that adds nothing to anything, then we cut to Lamina, and nothing happens there.
1: No. Well, Lamina is an interesting situation. They had actually kind of a, a, a tiny entertaining moment before like right after the challenge where everyone's like, okay, even though Terry's not here, we're all going to clean up camp and make things great for Terry. And then it immediately cuts to like Dan saying, let's get, or like Ruth Murray saying we need food and Dan saying, let's make fire and Austin saying he wants to take a nap. <laughs> so it's clear that like Terry really is the, the unifying force there and they can't make any decisions without him.
0: It's funny until you just said that, I didn't remember Ruth Ru- Marie was actually still in the game
2: (laughs) yeah I thought we'd left her behind (laughs) all right so we cut to the
0: immunity challenge here this is one where they fill the barrel with water and they raise the person up it's who can which tribe can bring the most water back first and then raise their person up to get a flag and this is kind of a fun one uh this is a very close one again like the uh, slingshot challenge a couple episodes ago
3: it's very close and, and it literally just comes down to the fact that you know austin took too long at the very end to, to pour the water because he was being careful with it but it's just really funny because the star of this of this challenge it really is sally who just flies through this course and they you know jeff of course is praising lamina for you know their quick work of the course and then kasaya wins
0: i <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing well because ruth marie she's not a polar <laughs> No, she's just and- a sitter that's all
2: just do right <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah well they she's- sit but they have to pull the pin out she's oh okay just, like, now she's not a sitter a, a
2: smasher a puller no wonder she goes home this episode but I always like challenges like these when you know everyone has a different role in, in the game you have people doing different things and I think that's always you know interesting when you can have people in a role that you know best suits their you know their skills <laughs> whether you know a smasher puller sitter whatever but
0: it's the Dara Johnson memorial challenge just sit there
1: uh, and, and and when after the after Kasai wins the challenge, RS throws the bucket of water on Bruce, but I don't think it has as much uh, sexual tension as Colby and Jerry did in Australian Outback. <laughs> yeah. Was it Bruce or was it
0: Bobby? Well, yeah, he, he does one to Bobby. He might do one to Bruce too. I know he does throws one on Bobby.
3: Yeah, and, and the other thing is that this challenge obviously may have was supposed to have sort of because because they're both they have to navigate a balance beam in order to get to the water to fill up their buckets and then come back on the balance beam with the buckets and the balance beam goes up and down in elevation and also crosses paths and so they're clearly marking this course so that things are going to throw the contestants off and they're going to fall off the balance beam because you know, as Jeff says at the beginning if you fall off the balance beam at any time whether going to the water or coming back with water you have to go back to the start and dump your water out And go go from the beginning, but it seems like all we saw at least, I mean, the the challenge could have been three more hours and, you know, all that sort of stuff but from what we saw, just Dan and uh, was Terry with him? Yeah, it was Dan and Terry. They fell off once and it was literally
0: like five feet
3: after they started the course.
0: You know what this challenge really needed was an attack zone. Because when the balance beams cross, it would have been perfect just like Thailand where they could just beat the crap out of each other. So you, you can get some gone to <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Yes.
0: laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, Lamina does a fantastic job, but uh, Kasaya wins. So, Lamina is going back to Tribal Council, and this is the one where will it be the outsider Sally or it will it be the weak Ruth Marie? And this is is where where Austin
1: compares himself to Jesus.
0: Yeah, Austin, yeah, pulls a little page out of the coach handbook and compares himself to Jesus by saying that he he changed the tide of the game and he's going to save Sally because Sally's good in the challenges. So he goes to Terry, he said, we need to save Sally, get rid of Ruth Marie. And basically Austin tells us this tribal council will be one for the ages. Is that this one? Yep. So, yeah. of course, naturally, so when for, I think of the... Could fu- you,
2: yeah. How could you forget?
0: Yeah, when I think <laughs> of the five most important tribal councils in Survivor history, this is one that always comes up.
1: Well, the, the, the Dan vote is definitely number one, right? Again, most emotional tribal council ever. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. We'll get to that one.
2: It's like all Amina votes. All Lamina <laughs> votes.
1: <laughs> so,
0: anyway, just to remind people that Ruth Maria is still in the game, Ruth Marie is voted out now.
1: Yeah, though Dan, though Dan kind of throws a hissy fit on on her way out about that, because, again two days beforehand, he just made a final five deal with her, and now all his allies are saying, well, we're going to get rid of her now.
0: Yeah. And thus ends the legend of Ruth Marie. I, I will say, in her defense, after she leaves, a lot of people in Lamina said that she was really sweet, and they really miss her. And in her final words, she seems like she's one of the sweetest people ever. She's like, well, I just, I wish them all luck. Good, job, good luck to all of you guys. Hope you do well. Like She seems like a, just a genuinely nice, sweet person, and it's just one of those people who just never made an interesting survivor character. So I, I feel bad kind of bagging on her because she seems like she's exceptionally nice, and I'm sure I can s I'm sure that was one of the reasons why she was cast.
2: Well She, does she seem- said on she said in her exit stuff on the early show that her next adventure was going to be to run from coast to coast, running a, at least a marathon every day and doing this over the course of like two and a half months or something insane. So wow. yeah, she's kind of crazy. Is that it? Is she a runner then? <laughs> yes, we found what yes. she does. Yes, she's a runner, not a smasher. She's a runner. (laughs)
1: Yeah,
3: I mean, I thought, and I also thought that her argument there at Tribal Council, which proved to be futile and obviously things at Tribal Council very rarely change, but she made the thing because, you know, Jeff says, what are they going to miss about you tomorrow? And she's like, maybe not tomorrow, but down the line, you know, just in the sense that I'm a loyal vote. And I thought that was a a good (laughs) argument at least. So way to have a good argument, even though it was totally futile and you're out. See you later. Rip in pieces,
0: Ruth Marie. And that's the thing. Just no one even remembers she's on this season. And again, if she hadn't had that Bob Dog moment in the challenge, I can guarantee no one would even remember she was on Survivor, period. Mm. It's too bad. she
3: will live on in Survivor sucks lore forever. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
0: All right, we're going to move on to episode five here. And I have to point out, three of us four have watched five episodes and have done the research one of us has not so you're about to see the genius of mr paul osselson the original temp he's going to talk about episode five off the top of his head without actually researching it oh boy i hope i can keep up with you guys
2: (laughs) (laughs) so let's let's start with bayonetta and (laughs) i'm sorry i can't someone take the lead
0: all right, so we start with Sally, blah, blah, blah. I was spared. I'm grateful. Anyway, let's go. Let's go Alamina. Yeah, let's go back to Kasaya now. Let's, do, <laughs> let's do the Zen Garden. Yeah, Bruce's Zen
1: Rock Garden shows up here because Bruce has decided that what Kasaya needs is beauty. Well, I also love that he kind of infers of like how he's purging the inner demons both in camp and apparently within his tribe members as well. <laughs> yes, and then, and then, Emily then also Ma- cuts to yeah, Aris, Shane, and Courtney around the fire both complaining about things, and then also ended up complaining about Bruce with the Zen Garden. <laughs> yes, that is how Bruce will
0: bring harmony to the group by giving them something to all bitch about. <laughs> yeah, so then Bruce goes back to camp, Aris confronts him, why are you building a rock garden? We don't need that. Bruce says, uh, you insulted my honor, and we get this big fight, yet another fight, surprisingly not involving Courtney or Shane in some way, which is kind of interesting. And then we get an interesting confessional where Aris says, you know, I'm the youngest person here, but I feel like the, I'm the only grown up. I'm the only one holding us together, which is kind of an interesting thing.
3: Which is true, he is. I mean, is. It, the whole scene is really funny, because you can see Bruce really working on this rock garden, and then what is it? Oh, th- Aris, he tries to call Bruce over by basically saying, "Hey, Bruce, we have a real dire situation with the fire over there." And Bruce just looks and says, "Go get
1: wood. (laughs) Go get firewood." (laughs) Again, maybe he should have. He spent thirty years backpacking. Maybe he should have spent some of that thirty years like interacting with people because he again just does not have tact when it deals with work ethic. You just have to filter
0: the fire through three (laughs) t-shirts.
1: Gets out ninety percent of the fire that way.
0: all right so here we go we got a uh a reward challenge coming up here and it's funny as if the running through the sand and the bag challenge was not already the bob dog challenge here we have the next bob dog challenge where he's gonna chop the shit out of a fish
1: this is the groceries challenge right basically yeah. it's loot this boat and toss it onto the beach yeah yeah, where they have to run down to the water, they
0: get either rice, beans, or fish. Then they have to get it, line up in an assembly line, throw the item from one person to the next, and then the person at the end either sorts it into the right bag or takes a uh, a, uh, a knife and chops the head off and tail off of a fish. And then, so it's 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 a multi-tiered challenge. So
3: yeah, so basically what happens here is that you know they. they for the first little bit, they, they basically toss the bags of rice and the bag of beans into the thing. So the, the real challenge is basically trying to toss fish to one another, almost like Pike's place, fish market in Seattle or something like that, where it's like, but these fish are huge and, and they're fish, they're unwieldy and slippery and all that sort of stuff. And so you get some, some instances where people biff the toss and then they have to go and collect, retrieve the fish and then, and then uh, chop it off. well, Kasai has got Bruce at the end of the assembly line and Lamina has Terry at the end of the assembly line. And the person at the end of the assembly line has to take a cleaver and chop off the head and chop off the tail and then take the body of the fish and put it into the box. And they have to get like six fish or so to have eight total items. And like, Terry just does a fine job. Terry hacks through the, the head and the, and the tail just fine and, and goes to the next one. Bruce, I mean, I thought Bruce was going to kill himself on that first yeah. fish.
1: Well, well apparently... Pro- Obviously, apparently, according to Bruce's AMA on, on Reddit, he says that like he, the the table was the same size, and since he's so much shorter, he had a disadvantage. And he apparently he tried to ask Probst if he could have like a box to sand on, and Probst said no, uh, and they couldn't switch out at that point. So he tried to hack it, and he's, you know, if if Bob Dog is the Brandon Bellinger of this challenge, uh, <laughs> Bruce is definitely the Jamie Newton. In terms yeah. of he, he just cannot do it. He spends about as long as Jamie does with that rock and that rope
2: working on this he, fish. He should have layered some t-shirts to stand on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what I was going to
2: say is that I'm watching this challenge and it, it
0: looks dangerous. Per- Bruce is just beating the crap out of this fish with a butcher knife and his fingers are not that far away. And Probst even says, watch your finger. Like, it looks dangerous.
3: Yeah. But he finally gets his way through the first fish, and then they 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 swap out and they put Bob Dog now at the table. And I mean, Bob Dog. It it seemed to me that you know, like a typical uh, person on Survivor who is uh, like male who is bigger than other uh, people on, on there. It seems like you know, endurance was not his thing, but but short burst uh strength was his thing and i mean that is tailor-made for this challenge where they finally get the fish up to the table and you just saw bruce hacking away for five minutes at this fish and terry even though terry is doing an efficient job it takes him four or five whacks on the head portion of the fish in order to get the head off they get bobby on there and bobby's just chop chop done yeah
0: (laughs) yeah it is frightening it's it's really impressive it it reminds me of uh, like again, the Gabriel with the rock challenge back in Marquesas, where he pulls all the rocks out, and nobody else comes close. That's the, how how much better Bobby is it than any other person in the challenge.
3: It's basically because of that. Even though they were like a whole fish behind, <laughs> Kasaya ends up winning, and they they win the challenge, and then uh, uh, they win all the food, and we get Bob Dogster.
0: Yeah. Well, again, let's not point out you know that Lamina. I hate to mention Lamina at all, but. <laughs> But, you know, they spared Sally because she was the one that was really good in challenges. But she's the one that really blows this challenge for Lamina because she drops that fish like five different times.
1: Yeah, well, you know, Ruth Marie is a catcher, so I, <laughs> it's a shame that they got rid of her. <laughs> yes.
0: So, yeah, so Kasaya wins. Shane runs over and mounts Bobby, and Bobby yells, Bob Dogster! Bob Dogster! He's never one to be short for self-promotion, so that's, that's now, what
1: a Could you tell which one? Did he try one of the King's Ransom poses during this challenge? I don't think he had a chance
0: because Shane was on top of him dry humping him. So I'm not sure he had a chance to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. The, he definitely did some of the King's Ransom in the, in the Ruth Marie Challenge, but I don't think he had a chance on this one.
3: Anyway, this is an incredible reward that they get. They get all that fish and all the rice and beans. Uh, Lamina gets to choose beans, and uh, they
0: send Terry to go to Exile Island again. Fun! Yeah. Probably yeah, some is, riveting footage, the guy who already has the idol. Let's, let's see how his little trip turns out.
1: And it is interesting that for the losers, the, the producers say, okay, even though you lost, you can still pick between rice and beans. And I wonder if that was the producers reacting to kind of these this, these torrential downpours and the fact that even if Lamino won, like the food situation is pretty dire on both sides because Sally lost that spear.
0: Yep. So Paul, you
2: remember all this? Um so <laughs> Saboga. Uh, I'm no, sorry, no, 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 I'm no, no. up. <laughs> it's Chibogomogo. Chibogomogo. Mogo. I'm sorry.
3: Oh no. Oh no. No, <laughs> no,
2: no, no, no,
0: no. So, yeah, so Casaya wins this fantastic reward. They get basically all the fish they can eat. They get beans, they get rice. They come back to camp, and basically, because of the rainstorm, their entire camp is now a lake. They have no fire, there's no way to cook the fish, and this sucks.
1: Yeah, and, and Suri is the uh, Kasaya weather woman here in terms of the, her confessional, which is very rare for Survivor, is her standing knee deep in the water.
0: <laughs> yes. All right, so yeah, so Kasaya can't eat their fish. They're forced to eat it raw. So basically, they just chop it up like sashimi and eat it. And Suri naturally is grossed out because she's never probably heard of sushi before. She, sushi has things in it, she doesn't like things. <laughs> Yeah, so Sari, another first, she eats sushi, they all eat the raw fish, and uh, that's about it. And Aris says, you know, it sucks, but we're kind of making it work. We're bonding over wine and, and raw fish, so they're making the best of it. And that's really Kasaya in a nutshell. They, you know, so it sucks, but they still make it work.
2: Kasaya can stand in a puddle of water and stand there with raw fish in their hands, and they are 20 times more interesting than Lamina.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, Kasaya- I also has it ends the last shot I think is Shane biting like everyone has like chopped up the fish and Bruce is you know distributed it Shane just takes the, the husk of the fish that's left and just takes a giant chomp into it and that's like the last <laughs> shot of that scene <laughs> yes
0: fantastic Shane moment so then we cut to Lamina and Lamina eats the beans and they get sick and that's really all I have in my notes here <laughs>
3: that's, that, that's Lamina they get sick off eating oh, the, the beans like most... my god Lamina
2: Most exciting event of the pre merge for Lamina is, but just you know, the beans going through their systems by far the most interesting thing on Lamina i you know, I watched this twice <laughs> <laughs> it's funny
0: you know when they were watching it later at home bruce was watching that scene he's like i wish i had eaten some beans it would have gone right through me
1: yeah isn't this funny that like for all the this is the this is not gonna be the first time the last time this season that gastrointestinal details that should not be discussed at this time will be mentioned on this show <laughs>
3: yeah like austin was like oh we got sick i'll spare you or nick one of them was like i'll spare you the gastrointestinal uh details and i was like you know Lamina, we could use some details right now because, <laughs> my God, this is boring.
0: Austin looked so bad when he was, like, laying there dying that Courtney was already starting to draw a heart around him. <laughs> and he had to be like, sh- shoo her away. I'm not dead. <laughs> oh, but but then did, we go to yeah.
3: Kasaya and we yeah. get, like, one of the best scenes ever. So, you know, um, we're all yeah. good. God.
0: Nighttime at Kasaya. This is... Uh, Bobby is pissed off. He's trying to get into the shelter to sleep. He can't. There's no room for him. It's raining. He has nowhere to sleep. He's pissed off. So he grabs a bottle of wine, the last bottle of wine that they won in the challenge, and he goes into the outhouse to basically get drunk out of spite of everyone else. And Bruce is there. And Bruce, Bruce is there. Up. Yeah, Bruce has already either... I forget if Bruce had already folded himself in there or Bruce comes later, but now we have a two-person drinking party in the shitter slash firewood storage place.
1: And And we we do get some semblance of, I guess, strategy here, and we we haven't touched too much upon it with Sally, but Sally has basically told us in the past couple episodes, like, look, if I make it to the merge, I'm jumping ship from Lamina. And now we're starting to see that Bobby is feeling the same way. So, it's also weird that, again, we're we're talking about these pre-merge strands that really end up not coming to fruition in the post-merge, it's basically becomes like Kasai versus Lamina. It's interesting to have these little tidbits here where Bobby and sometimes Sally are like, well, you know what, I think I'm going to turn on this tribe because they're not treating me well.
3: Which, yep. is, which is funny because, you know, Bobby is the one, and I would say Misty was the half in the sense that Misty is the, the proto poverty and maybe could have done something, but she didn't and she turned out to sort of dud out. But, like, Bobby to me is the standout of all these pre-merged boots. But the thing is, is that for all of the standout that Bobby is, and as much as we love Bobby, Bob, Dog, Mason, and, and we do, he was correct to go because in this scene he's talking about flipping on his tribe. And so the tribe getting rid of him was the right call.
0: Yeah, and that will come up later in the episode. That, you know, people look back to Exile Island season 12, zombie heads, shrinking zombie, uh, skeletons, and they think, oh, Bobby got voted out because he was lazy or didn't do any work or because he, you know, drank the wine. But that's not really why he gets voted out. He gets voted out because they're worried he's going to flip and join with all the young guys at the merge again, which is a totally valid reason to vote somebody out.
3: And I also, I also liked the irony of the fact that both Bobby and Bruce are in the Casa de Charmin here. And basically, the Casa de Charmin is the doom for both of these gentlemen.
0: That's <laughs> yes, The, the did toilet. You, will will did he get the gentleman? Gentlemen. Yes, he did.
2: But he's not a gentleman. I can't <laughs> stand that. <laughs>
3: uh, Danielle face. <laughs> Danielle is not
0: impressed. Yes. And we should. We also have to mention that Bruce and Bobby make a little pact here. They will never vote one another out. Which adds nothing to the season whatsoever, but it's yeah, a nice considering move. That,
1: considering that, again, this will pay off in about huh. 20 minutes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's like Skinny Ryan and Lil vowing never to vote each other off.
3: Yeah, but they, but they do hold hands. Oh no, that's that's Burton and Lil. Never mind.
0: <laughs> yes. So anyway, yeah, they have their little nice drunk moment in the outhouse. They take the last bottle of wine and the next morning we're going to get one of the most famous fights of the season where uh Courtney wakes up and she's looking around and she can't find the bottle of wine. What happened to the last bottle of wine?
3: And that then would be Bobby so comes wrong. and says, and then Bobby comes and says, "Oh, I drank it."
0: Yeah, I know.
1: Bobby's great well, well, cuz he
0: he doesn't even try to hide it.
1: and, and well first, it's actually again this, these scenes, I forgot, are so friggin' well edited, because you have this Courtney thing, and then you have Sari on, like, the camera follows Sari on the search to figure out what's going on, and she walks into the Casa de Charmin to get some soap, and you see Bruce lying at an exact right angle, with his <laughs> legs just stuck straight up on the wall of the Casa de Charmin, and he comes stumbling out with a bottle of wine, and it's just amazing. <laughs> I've
0: taught a class on bathroom sleeping for 30 years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was the inspiration for the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> wow, <laughs>
0: that's good. All right, so yeah, this we get the fight where uh, you know Courtney tries to confront Bob Dog, which is not going to end well for Courtney because he doesn't care. She's like, "So you drank our wine? How do you feel about that?" He's like, "Well, I feel swell about it." <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I don't feel bad that I drank your wine.
2: Yeah, that's- I feel I feel bad that I drank everyone else's wine, but I but I don't feel bad the fact that I deprived you of wine. Yeah, that's, that's so, one of the so cool. And her face is deal. awesome. <laughs> and then just what it, she say? She- confessional that she's one of the top. How many annoying one people of the, one in the two, history? Two of, or th-
1: yeah, two <laughs> or three most annoying people in the whole world
2: in yeah. the history of the world.
1: And then another great Bobby quote here. She definitely had a
0: right to be mad. I just didn't want to hear it. <laughs> So there you go. So yeah, Courtney was right, but whatever, I don't care. So it's basically just Courtney nagging her nagging him like she does with Shane, but Bobby won't react. He won't he won't uh, commit to a fight. So he just kind of ignores her. So it's it's kind of a funny little scene with Bobby doing Bobby things and Courtney doing Courtney things.
1: I mean, and again, if you if you connect this back to Episode two, Aris is let's have an open forum here, and Shane flat out says there's a four person alliance. You got to have the feeling that Bobby and Sari and Bruce are feeling a little bit like, well, fuck them. You know what? (laughs) I'm not going to be, I'm not doing anybody any favors if they're just going to vote me out anyway. So, Bobby, I think Bobby is definitely kind of done with with this tribe at this point.
0: Yeah. And the scene ends with the the empty wine bottle on the ground and Courtney drawing a little heart around it in the sand. (laughs) All right. Immunity challenge time. Lamina has lost four in a row. This is like you said. There was a four-challenge winning streak by Kasaya. Uh, Lamina has lost four in a row. They're hurting. They're struggling without Terry being there. Austin is crapping his guts out like uh, Lex back in Africa. And it's, things are very dire. They need a win right here. And, you know, the good thing for the season is Lamina's going to get one. So good for them. The heroes are going to win.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, this is a
0: – go ahead.
3: Yeah, again, this is Terry beast moting the the knots and 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 and, uh, and and this challenge. It's it's just the fact that you know they they get the they get to the shore much much faster with this puzzle. It's basically dive down, open a coffin which has skulls in it, um, and then they. It's all part of a puzzle that they need to put together. It's pretty straightforward.
0: <laughs> you know, the skull imagery makes me wonder: what is the murder rate like in Panama? I mean, did they just kill everyone there? What's the deal?
2: Well, they don't die all the way. I mean, they are zombies, so...
0: That's a good point. All right, so yeah, so we have to go underwater, get the skull puzzle pieces, come back and build the puzzle. And uh, yeah, Lamina wins, thanks mostly to Terry. And I believe Sally doing the puzzle, right? Sally's the one who finally figures out the puzzle at the end.
1: Kind of, though I think, I, I think from what I, I gleaned from what I was watching, I believe Terry or Dan or somebody was also instructing them as to what to do, so I kind of I, I might have to put some uh, we might have to put some credit to their part as well because Sally and Austin did struggle for a long time with the puzzle, which allowed Kasaya to actually catch up.
0: Top right.
2: five challenge you know, top five challenge finishes of all time go let me know. <laughs>
0: I don't remember Paul being this funny. Paul, you got more funny when you were in Germany. Aw, thanks. Funny. Douche Douche and funny. funny. I it's a both. balance, really. Yeah. yeah. They took the Montana out of the boy. All right, so we have we go to Kasaya now, and we're a very sad moment. We're about to lose the almighty Bob Dogsta, which is a, a horrible blow. Um, yeah, so basically what happens, we go to Kasaya. Shane wants Bobby to go. He doesn't trust Bobby. Um, Bobby's going to flip on them. But Aris said... I really want to keep him because Bruce is uncontrollable. They have no idea what Bruce is going to do. He's a wild card. At least Bobby's honest. He's straightforward. So Aris makes a big push to keep Bobby, and it looks like it's going to work. It looks like Bruce is going to go home.
3: Which is funny because I think that's the wrong call, right? Like getting rid of Bobby is actually, for their alliance, the the good call. And Aris talks them out of it, which is, again, it's like, hey, Aris makes a tiny mistake here. Uh but it, and it's it's worth noting. I mean I'm not saying Aris is a terrible player or something like that. Aris is amazing at his alliance control and and I like Aris a lot. But I mean Aris votes or talks them out of voting for Bobby and then they're gonna vote off uh they're gonna vote off someone else instead. So yay Bobby.
0: Wait a minute, I I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, that I think keeping Bobby around would have been a good move for Aris because it gives him more options down the road. It gives because him the, options, but but Just again, in case something goes, falls apart, he can mer- jo- join up with the four young guys again because they'll all be left after
3: the I mean, I,
2: Whoa, is Mario talking strategy?
0: <laughs> I'm
2: just defending Bobby.
3: I know, oh. <laughs> well, I know, I know you want to defend Bobby, but I think that, yeah, you can say Aris is, is doing that, but I, 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 would, I would have a hard time keeping around somebody that is literally going to uh, cause your majority
0: alliance to no longer be a majority. It's true, but R.S. might also be in that new majority, so you never know. But uh, I I see your point.
1: Yeah, and he, I mean, he also might be, I mean, we're talking about people that are looking ahead to the merge. uh, And at this point, it's going to be one round, two rounds until the merge. He might be thinking, oh, Bobby might be a good meat shield where if Lamina's going to go after us, I know that they're going to target Bobby above me just because Bobby looks like the stronger guy. I mean, would you rather vote out the yoga instructor or the guy who can cleave a fish in one hack? Yeah, that's what that, I—that's that, what I
0: meant. That
3: that that fish cleaving is going to come back <laughs> in another
1: challenge.
0: That Bobby, he's not a fish cleaver. Yeah. Well, so he anyway, is, he
3: is a fish I know, cleaver, I know, dude. I know. I'm
0: just saying. <laughs> so anyway, we go to we have another fight with Shane and Courtney. This is one that I alluded to earlier, where <laughs> Courtney is saying something and Shane says, "Uh, what what are you talking about? What are you what are you babbling about, Courtney?" It's, it's a great quote that I love using. Well,
1: because yeah, cause he's he's pissed because basically what happens is okay, they decide. Uh, They decide, like, okay, we're going to vote off Bruce. So then Shane decides to do his own little thing. He kind of pulls his own Dan move where he goes to Bobby and says, like, okay, you got to be with us. Swear on my kid. And this is a really weird scene where Shane just keeps insisting to Bobby, no, swear on my kid. Swear on my kid. Swear on my kid. It's weird that, like, that's Shane's terms with other people, too. Like, they have to swear on his kid, which is, like, doesn't make any sense because they have no stakes in your child. (laughs) I
0: don't care about your child. Sure. Why not?
1: (laughs) But so then when they when Sari and Danielle and Courtney meet and they're like, okay, well, I don't really like Bobby. We should vote Bobby out. And they go to Shane like, okay, Shane, we're going to vote out Bobby now. Bob, uh, Shane goes crazy because he's like, you told me an hour ago that we were voting out Bruce, and so I made a deal with Bobby, and now I have to go back on my son's word. Yeah.
0: Although, dude, to be fair, this is actually a really good move on Danielle and Courtney's part where they're just tired of Aris calling the shots. And they're like, well, let's just knock Aris off his perch a little. Why don't we make the decision and not Aris? So Danielle and Courtney team up with, uh, with Sari and Shane. And meanwhile, Sari is just sitting there like, how are these people forgetting about me? I thought I was supposed to be next. So, yeah, so basically this is a, a power move here where Sari and Danielle are going to take the power, or uh, Courtney and Danielle are going to take the power away from RS and make the decision. So that's really kind of what, what dooms Bobby in the end here.
1: And meanwhile, we also have Courtney doing yoga in the rock garden. <laughs>
0: fantastic courtney can do the yoga anywhere on the beach anywhere on the entire island she chooses the five square feet of bruce's rock garden while he's working on it that's the funnier (laughs) thing that he's actually working on it as she's standing there (laughs) you
3: know what i love what i love about this is that i feel like you know we've had yoga instructors and other things like that on survivor before but we have on the kasaya tribe this crazy kasaya tribe we have Courtney, the the fire dancer who does yoga and draws hearts around dead turtles, and you have Aris, who's an actual yoga instructor, and then you have Bruce, who is this art teacher, but he's got this karate background, and he you know he's he's doing you know uh, martial arts meditation and stuff like that. And it's like you have a lot of like spiritualistic stuff going on with this tribe, and yet they all bitch to each other, like they they can't find any sort of unity because you see other tribes in the past where like they're not really yoga people or spiritualistic people, and yet they're doing yoga together on the beach or, you know, some Pilates stretches or something like that on the beach. Whereas, like, Courtney decides to do some yoga in, in Bruce's rock garden, you're thinking, like, yeah, I guess that would be cool, right? Nope. <laughs> nope. Would, nope.
0: You say that, would you say that Kasaya is the first no-collar tribe? <laughs> wow. I like it that we have a, a no-collar off. Like, my zen rock garden versus your yoga. This is a no-collar fight. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then Courtney, I guess, wins by fatality when her, uh, her fire sticks beat Bruce's colon death. <laughs> Ow, my pooper.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, just remember the rough fight with the rock garden. There's great payoff to this later. Just for now, just to know that Bruce hates anybody messing with his rock garden. Do not ever touch his rock garden. And that's all Courtney does is she messes with his rock garden. And and one of uh,
1: go ahead
3: Jay. I was just saying he couldn't build a bowling alley. I mean, shoot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One of the fun things about these scenes are that like once we get to the vote and it's going to be three to two to one to one. It's one of the it's the most chaotic vote split vote since Gretchen's vote all the way back in season one. And afterwards, I remember everyone was like, "What the hell happened?" But the fun thing is, if you watch these scenes again, you can understand exactly where everyone's vote is coming from. You see, Bruce votes for Courtney because he's annoyed with Courtney. You see, Aris and Bobby both vote for Bruce because Aris is annoyed with Bruce and Bobby thinks that's what the plan is. You see Shane throws his vote away at Aris because he swore on his son's life and then the plan changed and then the three girls vote for Bobby. So, as confusing as the vote may seem, once you see it come in, it, you see the breadcrumbs kind of leading into it when you look back at these scenes.
3: Yeah, I thought they framed all this very well, you know, and, and I never think that, you know, a vote can be predictable or you can know who's going home and it's still exciting. It's just that you know showing a, a proper build up to how everything goes down, I think is important, and you got that, and you also got this just inane fight over a rock garden, which is like the best thing ever. I love this Kasaya tribe, oh my God,
0: yeah,
2: Shapira <laughs>
0: <laughs> so anyway, yes, this is where we lose the Almighty Bob Dogsta, one of the I can't say underrated cuz he really didn't wasn't in the season that much, but he's one of the more well-respected Survivor alums outside the season. A lot of people talk about him as someone that probably would have should have deserved a second chance, that a lot of his stuff probably got cut on the editing room floor. He was one of those guys he just never really fit into the narrative of the season. That's really the only fault of his that nothing he did had anything to do with the storyline and you know that just happens sometimes, but the more you read about Bobby, he's a fascinating character and he's I, I've ta- he's I personally talked to him many times he's written uh, a testimonial for the funny 115 he's one of the, my best survivor friends out there so he's one of those guys he's kind of not really well understood and and uh it's a shame that he was never really featured much in the episode but he's far more interesting than you think he would be just by watching the survivor exile island season 12 zombie heads
1: were, were you guys perturbed to find his picture on the DVD cover? I don't, I don't want to speak too much about the meta like, DVD cover sense, but I feel like when those DVDs came out, he was one of the, the WTF choices, since he, again, is like a 12th placer.
0: Yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd, it's not something I ever think about much, but yeah, he's n- clearly not one of the six biggest characters of the series. like,
2: where's Ruth Marie, Melinda? <laughs> like, so many more choices.
0: <laughs> Melinda could have been doing her sexy pose oh yeah that would have been the best that would
2: have
1: sold at least five times more copies
0: <laughs> or <laughs> sure
3: shout out to bob dog uh, bob dog has written blogs and stuff about survivor over the years and you know people people never know like bob bobby has an incredible amount of uh schooling and and just writing experience he's a lawyer right so you let's
0: know, they're, talk they're... about his background his background is really interesting do you know his whole backstory before that I do, but why don't you tell it? Because you're his friend. Yeah, he uh, like he grew up in a real bad area of L.A. Like he, for, friends of his were like gunned down in gang shootings and stuff. He knew kids that got shot. Like he just, <clears throat> it was just a very rough area, and he had a very rough, you know support peer group and his mom didn't want him to you know end up in a bad way like so many of his other other friends like these inner city kids so she pulled some strings to get him into one of the most elite prep schools in los angeles one of those college, is it the harvard school i forget what the name of it is but it's, it's the same one that Stephen Fishbach went to it's like one of the elite high schools in in california or any, anywhere on the west coast so he got this great education he got he got introduced to you know a whole different lifestyle you know big to big thinkers you know new ideas and stuff and he between that and he he was a big baseball star at the time too so between getting into this prep school and being a getting a baseball scholarship and he ended up at stanford which i mean obviously is one of the top colleges in the country so bob dog this kid this kid from an inner city, you know, with that friend gunned down when he was a little kid, ends up at Stanford on a full baseball scholarship, later comes out of college and becomes a lawyer, and he's a writer. I mean, he's he has a fantastic success story. He's a really smart guy, and just on a personal level, I would just say, <clears throat> a couple months ago, my father died. It was He had had a long illness, and he passed away, and you know, I have a lot of survivor friends, but Bobby Mason, he wrote me the nicest email behind the scenes. You know, you think he's this big, gruff guy, you know, I, I poop in the Charmin, I, I don't care about, I drink your wine, but he wrote me the most eloquent thing, talking about, you know, when his father died, and how much it meant to him, and just the memories you have of your father, and it's, again, he's one of the greatest guys I've ever known among the Survivor community, so I, I just, he's one of those guys that I really, it's, it's a shame that he was not featured much in this season, because I think he's a really interesting story, and he's a really good guy. I just wanted to say that.
3: Yeah. And and he you know like I said he wrote blogs about Survivor and just you know his uh, his other ramblings because he's just a smart guy and he's got a lot of things to go about and I, I don't know if he still does or what was going on but around this time as Rob was doing the fishbowl stuff and whatnot you could find Bobby's blogs online and they were always a fascinating read every time.
0: And he's one of those guys I bet we could get to do an interview for historians if we wanted to. It's, we tend to do get the people for interviews that add a lot to the season and we're big names. Like I'm not sure if, it's, if it, there's really much of a market for a Bobby interview, but if I were to ask him, I, I'm sure he'd say yes in a second. He really likes helping fan projects. He's just a really good guy in general. So, yeah, he's a great asset to the Survivor community, and it's, it's a shame he just you know went out fifth in the season and really added nothing to the season whatsoever, unfortunately. We
1: should, we should just troll Bobby by bringing him on for an interview, but just asking him all questions about Lamina. <laughs> That'd
0: be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and with that, we have uh, eulogized the first five episodes of Survivor, the 12, uh, I'm not going to say the whole title. 12, it's too 12 Angry Men. <laughs> yeah, 12 Angry Men, where, basically where the Kasaya tribe faces off against some other tribe that we don't remember. Do you guys have anything more to add about the season before we sign off on this one?
3: No, I think that, you know, the, the, I think, again, I think the right people have gone home for the most part, all of these episodes, and uh, we're gearing up for sort of the middle part of this season, and uh, I'm, the season's going to go well, because we're just going to, the more we focus on the Kasaya people, the better it is, and we're going to get some Kasaya focus, and we're going to add Terry into the mix, so uh, hilarious stuff.
2: Yeah, we're, we're mm. going to get, a, we're gonna get a, I'll go ahead, Paul. I was going to say, as tragic as it will be to see the rest of Lamina go down almost one by one, we will stand together, our hands together as one. We will stand for the fallen members of Lamina um, as we move towards the end of the game. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're starting
1: off with the most emotional tribal council ever, so <laughs> it's really going to be key. But I'm, 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 excited. I'm excited that we don't need to take three weeks off in, in between recapping like episode six and episode seven on the podcast. Yeah. Um, but I'm really excited. I'm hoping, I think we should be able to get to hopefully Bruce's boot episode, which again, I still think is one of the funniest Survivor episodes ever. There's just so much in there. And I think like you guys were, ta- you were just talking about, Paul, it kind of is a pogonging. Uh, but it's one of those pogongings where there's a lot of character stuff going on at the same time, so it makes it a little more tolerable.
0: I love that you called it Bruce's boot episode because boot is slang for ass, and I just love that you <laughs> mentioned that. So well done, Mike. <laughs> oh, wow. we'll Ugh, the
2: temp did one thing right. Ooh. Meow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, this is one of those seasons that just gains momentum and gains momentum as it goes along. And again, like Mike just pointed out, this is almost the exact spot, just one episode ahead, where we all of a sudden took four weeks off while it was airing. Just imagine how much that would have pissed you off at the time. And that's why this is one, that I think, that, re- that rewatches absolutely save Exile Island and vaulted into one of the better Survivor seasons. Because, again, we just just momentum, 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 starting with the next episode, which is one that I love to make fun of because I think it's incredibly lame, the whole Dan episode. But we'll, we'll have a lot of fun making fun of that. But, yeah, and, and we promise not to take... Actually, I I better not promise not to take four weeks off since we we traditionally always take four weeks off. So never mind mind what I was about to say. See you when we see you, you know? Exactly. You're lucky to get what you get. All right. uh, So as always, uh, for the Survivor Historians, I'm Mario Lanza. I'm Jay Fisher.
2: I'm Mike Bloom. Um, And I was Mike Bloom before Mike Bloom was cool.
0: (laughs) And just remember to always filter your water through three t-shirts. All right, talk to you later.
2: Bye. Older women, younger women, get nervous. Nobody wants to stay behind here.
0: She's not a smash.